Short disclaimer before we get rolling here. I have had uh, some feedback on the podcast and some frustrations people have had with having with trying to listen and they're having a hard time saving their place and it's a simple fix. All you got to do is subscribe. There's a follow or subscribe button depending on if it's Apple or Spotify that you're listening on and it'll automatically save your place. Boom. A little disclaimer before we get rolling here. You're about to hear some ads. They are all from local entities that want to support the baseball community. A lot of these guys have deep connections. We're players themselves, so if you see having a need for any one of these services, please go patronize these guys. Thank you. We are also brought to you by Washco Strength and Speed, located at 3604 North Peoria Road. There's also a second location in Jacksonville. Jared can be reached at 217-899-3233. I do not think there is a better place to take your youth athlete, specifically a baseball or softball player, than Washco Strength and Speed. Jared was an SHG grad. Um, he went to ISU. He pitched at SCI. He has a certified strength and conditioning specialist, which is the top certification you can get in the game. He is on it with his programming. He stays on new modalities and training methods. Um, He offers summer camps, team training, group training, arm care, velocity work. The proof is really in the pudding when it comes to Jared. All of his athletes get stronger, they get faster, they get more explosive. Um, They're they're less injury prone. He's cranking out athletes to college. If you really care about your athlete and you want to invest in them, send them to Washco Strength and Speed. Today's episode is brought to you by Jason Knadler and the Bank of Springfield. I will be... The first to tell you that I am not the most literate person financially, but I do know people. And I know that the Bank of Springfield has invested in a lot of people that I know and trust. They have invested heavily in former local area athletes and baseball players. Off the top of my head, I can think of, you know, Jason Knadler, Justin Knadler, Eric Weaver, Tim Wallen, Greg Morantz, Frank Stefano, Murph Mathiot, Ryan Murphy. These are all guys that I know and trust and would have no problems putting my financial future in their hands. And so Bank of Springfield is always involving themselves in local charities and the community and talks about being a family. Um, So if you're going to put your money somewhere, take it to Bank of Springfield. These are guys you can trust. We are also brought to you by Hurwitz Enterprises. They can be reached at 217-544-4002. Get a hold of them for all your commercial real estate needs. They've been in the best in the business since 1978 around here. I'm talking Joe. I'm talking Mimi. I'm talking Mikey. All working there. This is an absolute baseball family. I love the Hurwitz family. Jake, the older brother, played at Illinois College. Henry played with me at Lincoln Lane Community College, one of my favorite all-time teammates. And Mikey, the youngest, was a stud at the U of I. Again, love this family. Go support them. Thanks, Herberts. We are also brought to you by Body Cemetery, located at 2201 West White Oaks Drive, bodycemetery.com. More specifically, Chad Marshick, the owner, head trainer. This guy is just amazing on so many levels. He is capable of training anyone from a child to a pro athlete to just your normal everyday person to the elderly. Um, and not only is he a trainer, but he is also adept with you know physical therapy, nutrition. Everything is going to be customized to you and what you need. There's a movement analysis when you first come in. 
to address any deficiencies you have. It's all customized. You know, Chad is the most positive, happy guy I've ever been around. Uh, body symmetry will get you right. I would, you know, put my my faith in Chad and his trainers any day. So go to bodysymmetry.com, get set up. Chad, we appreciate you. Thank you. All right, are we going here? We got you. Can, can you hear me well? All good, man. All good. Oh, perfect. Man, this is so, so cool. Um, all right, give me a second here because I got a lot of things to go through. Uh, your, your accolades, all these things here. Guys, this is so dang cool. We got PJ Finnegan here. Uh, Patrick John Finnegan. PJ. DJ PJ. PGZ, the king of the North End. Skip, coach. Coach Finn. This is not a baseball journey. This is a baseball odyssey. We're going to tentatively be calling this the tough little North Ender part, part one. And you'll, you'll, you'll see why a little later. Um, all right. I've got some accolades to get through here. I'm going to take a deep breath because this is like two paragraphs, basically. All right, PJ, we're starting off here, man. A 1996 member of the famous Dairy Queen team that reached the double ABC Little League World Series in Puerto Rico. PJ was a member of the all-time greatest traveling team in the area, the Springfield Statesman, a 2001 Landfair High graduate, where you were a three-time city champ your senior year in baseball, basketball, and golf. You played basketball with uh, Andre Iguodala and Rich McBride, notably. Uh, we got seconds in golf our, uh, our senior year individually. We were also the CS8 Male Athlete of the Year, CS8 Baseball Player of the Year in 2001. Another breath. All right. He then went on to continue his career at SIU Carbondale in the MVC, earning freshman All-American honors as a shortstop. Had stints in the CICL for the Rifles and the famed Cape Cod League, where he won a league championship and participated in what some call the greatest game in Cape Cod League history. Uh, senior year, earning first-team MVC as a pitcher and shortstop, which has never been done, and earning the MVC Player of the Year, a confirmed non-cup wearer, Later being inducted into the Sleuthy <laughs> Hall of Fame in 2018, the MVC All-Century team. From there, getting drafted in the seventh round by the Tigers, where he enjoyed a brief but very good career, uh, earning a 2006 Gold Glove Award um, in the Tigers organization before injuries. You know, your elbow blew up and kind of set you on a new path here. Um, first being the uh, pitching coach uh, at SIU Carbondale for nine years, then an assistant at SIUE. And then a year as an interim as the head softball coach, which is interesting, uh, before finally being named essentially the head coach in waiting at Lindenwood and just recently being named the head coach. Uh, what's up, PJ? How are we doing, man? Doing great, man. That's, uh, it, it's, it's quite the list, but uh, it's funny to hear it uh, with some of the things that you've uncovered. So I'm uh, uh, some of the nicknames, you name it. It's all pretty, pretty interesting. <laughs> And I, I really appreciate what you're doing for everybody, yeah. not only what you're doing for me. So It's, it's totally out of respect to you and uh, all the people that were in your career helping you along the way. I went so deep down the rabbit hole on this one. I feel like I'm ready to write the PJ book. You know, If you ever want to write a PJ book, I think I'm the person to come to. I talked to Kenny Gann, your former coach at Landfear. I talked to Danny Madiri because I wanted to get an underclassman's uh, perspective of you. Danny, being a former teammate, played at SCI. He was a standout baseball player there. And was also the head coach at Landfair for about four or five years. J.R. Kyes, man, former teammate, the Statesman. He played at LLCC and U of I. 
the Dusty Bensko. Man, former teammate, Pleasant Plains legend, U of I, twins. Joey Alpsmeyer, former teammate on the Rifles. He played at Plains, Lincoln Land, Weber International. Matt Brewer, your teammate on the Dairy Queen team uh, in the, at, at Carbondale and also had a short stint in pro ball with the Diamondbacks. Jimmy Rupert, the former SJR sports czar and 1450 radio personality. Love that guy. Kenny Henderson, uh, former assistant and head coach at SIUC. And then finally, I had the most epic talk with Greg Finnegan, your dad, Papa Finn, 2016 Springfield Sports Hall of Fame inductee. Your dad and I talked for two and a half hours. And you warned me before you said he's going to go. And, mm-hmm. and I want to say I loved it. I enjoyed it. I told him beforehand, I said, I need a lot of time because <laughs> there's a lot to cover. And he did not disappoint. We went for two and a half hours. We both shed tears. It was amazing. It's so cool just to have your dad talk about your career and how much it meant to him and how touched he was by it. So, yeah, he, that's uh, I talked to. That, that doesn't surprise me. And he probably could have went for two and a half more hours. Uh, <laughs> his memory recall is unbelievable because he won't re- be able to remember his neighbor's name, but he could tell you what happened on a 2-1 pitch when we were 11 years old. Yeah. And, you know, we were playing at Indian Hills Park. So there's that's does not surprise me one bit. It's perfect. Your, your mom was in the background multiple times, Mary, you know, kind of harping at him, like, get off the phone. This guy's got a life and something to do. <laughs> we both had to be like, we're good, man. We're rolling. We're just talking yeah. baseball. So I now consider your dad one of my friends. If you talk baseball for two and a half hours with someone, you're, you're definitely buds now. So shout out yeah. to Greg. Appreciate you, man. None of that is surprising whatsoever. <laughs> None of it. For my mom's involvement, not a single thing. So. <laughs> All right, man. So how I know PJ to the best of my knowledge, I don't think we've ever really talked before this. I, I you know, I'm, I'm two years behind you in school. I grew up, you know, totally looking up to you, um, but from afar, basically, you know, I, um, you guys won state as Dairy Queen and like I was two years behind. So that's what we were trying to do. And we won state two years mm-hmm. later and we went to Minnesota too. And we, you know, I was a shortstop coming up and you were this, you know, high level shortstop. So I was always like, what's PJ doing? What's PJ doing? And like, you know, um, I, I, I love the statesman, and it's like Dusty Bensko is like Paul Bunyan, you know, he's 100 yeah, so yeah, like I, yeah. I, I, I never I knew I was never going to be Dusty Bensko, but you're like a very <laughs> average sized person. And so they yes. were like, OK, maybe I can aspire to be like PJ. So I've I've had no fewer than 10 people reach out to me since announcing that we were doing the PJ story and say that they looked up to you coming up to former baseball players from the area. And, you know, I, I followed you through high school, through you know, through college, through, through your pro career. I remember when you broke your ankle, when yeah. you were like 13 or 14 and hearing about that and being upset. Like my dad yes. told me about it and being like very worried about it. And like, I kept asking my dad, like, is PJ going to be okay? Like, and uh, yeah, so yes. I've been following yeah. you for a long time, buddy. I, I know that our paths have crossed in other places, but never really on the baseball field. Uh, right. You know, we've always had a chance to kind of chat about some things, but never, never really sit down, never got a chance to like work out together or anything like right. that. Uh, you know, especially once you were in college and I was in pro ball, uh, I spent a lot of my time up in Chicago. Uh, okay. That's where my wife and I had a house and everything else. So mm-hmm. I was kind of in and out in the yeah. field scene once, uh, once I went away to college. So yeah. it's uh this is exciting to do. And uh, like I said, I've enjoyed the hell out of the rest of these stories. Thank you. Um, stuff that I knew a little bit about, but certainly not as much. Yeah. And uh, they've made my recruiting trips and time in the car fly by. Oh, and, cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, you it's listening. It's been, been yeah. awesome. It's been so fun to do. And um, 
just so so cool listening to how everyone you know how their careers went, how they handled things, some of the highs, the lows, what they learned along the way. My when I started looking at your story and going through it all the way, first of all, I have more respect for you than I already did going back and talking to all these guys. You're an incredible guy. But I, I don't know. I think we've got six hours plus of podcasts if you can talk. And I know you can talk. Yeah. And I know your dad can talk. So you got the yeah. team. Yeah. So we'll see, man. We'll just start rolling. And Yeah, it's interesting. It's a baseball yeah. life. Like yeah. you, you kind of said that. And it's like, man, that it's been involved. Yeah. You know, I've been involved in baseball forever and yeah. still continue to do it this day. And uh, I'm very fortunate because I feel like I've never worked a day in my life because oh, of that. Lucky. But, um, you know, it, it it's just like everything else. It's a grind. It yeah. doesn't matter what we're talking about, what we're doing. Baseball yeah. is a grind. And yeah. uh, it's just I, it, it's that much of a part of me. So yeah. it does not feel like work. I love that. But if, yeah. if, if you love something, it's probably a little easier to do that grind, wouldn't you say? Yes, very much so. Very, yeah, very much so. So if, if you know how we get down on this podcast, um, we start right at the beginning, man. When, when baseball first grabs you, when you first fall in love with it, and your dad had – he painted me such a picture of what it was like growing up. But I, I, obviously I want to hear your words, but I've got quotes and clips ready as well. But yeah, take me back to the start, man. Take me back to the, to the Finnegan household growing up there. What's it like growing up at Finnegan? Well, it's it's very interesting. You know, I'm right in the middle, older sister, younger brother. Um, you know, that we're all very different. Uh, but I, you know, obviously hit a home run with my parents. Um, yeah. Was really fortunate, especially with my dad when it came to sports, because it didn't matter. Like he'd come home from work, you know, like dad, let's go shoot hoops, let's let's go play golf, let's go hit, let's go take ground balls, whatever it is. Yeah. I don't ever remember him telling me no, and uh, yeah. you know. I try to do the same thing as my, you know, for my kids. And I laugh because it's like, there's so many days I do like, oh man, I'm tired. And I will say no. And I'll think back of that. Like, man, I'm, I'm like one-tenth of the dad that, that my dad was. But, uh, you know, just going right along with it with my mom too. My mom, yeah. uh, I make this joke all the time and, and there's a lot of seriousness to it. Like my mom is like the toughness of the family. Okay, like, She keeps everybody in line. It doesn't matter how high, how low you get, like she's the the pulse of it all. Yeah. And uh, I made the joke that in my Hall of Fame speech at Carbondale, where it's like, you know, all of my athleticism comes from my dad. There's no doubt in my mind. Like, if you've yes, ever seen uh, my mom, you ever seen my mom do anything like no offense to her, like she's not a great athlete, but yeah. every single bit of the toughness is yeah. from her. Like I love my that. personality is a lot of her. Yeah. And uh you know, she always kept us in line and the, the running joke was always like, I wanted to play well uh, and I wanted to do well so that she wouldn't get on my ass at the end of the day. <laughs> and you know, That's a big part of it. But, uh, yeah. you know, she I, I hit a home run. My, my brother and sister would say the same thing. Like we, yeah. we couldn't have been any more fortunate. Like m my parents will do anything still to this day. You know, if I called yeah. right now and said, hey come down. Could, can you help with our kids? Like they'd be in the car 30 seconds later. So yeah. it was so fortunate for that. Um, but it, it really is. It is just that like my dad will play to the, to the scene straight anymore till it's dark outside. And then <laughs> my mom's right there making dinner and, and you know, saying, Hey, yeah. you know, good job. But also like I saw yeah. that swing in the backyard, wiffle ball game. You got to get better than that. So that, that, <laughs> It is exactly how it is. Uh, yeah. So very fortunate for that. So. I've got the perfect uh, Greg clip 
right now then. You ready for it? Okay. Yes, I'd love to hear this. All right, cool, buddy. His, the biggest thing about him is you didn't have to ask him to go out and play. You know, hey, you want to go play you guess? To do it. Hey, you want to go hit? No. He was the guy that said, hey, you know, uh, Dad, Dad you want to – let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know, and That's so cool. Yeah, so Greg had that. And then another one that was cool that I, I want to play, kind of talked about you growing up in, in a kind of like this batting practice mentality neighborhood thing. Yeah. I'm going to play it right here, okay? You ready? If I don't play uh, baseball anymore, oh, wait. if I don't get to pitch. Oh. I got to tell you one little story, though. We talk about how those kids used to go. When we were – Tim Hewlett was playing Major League Ball, and – we we're we we're playing in the minors. I think we were still in the minors. We might have been first year in the majors, so nine and ten. And he had four boys. And uh, but you know, a lot of times he wasn't around. Well, our kids, when we get done playing ball, playing a game, if their kids weren't playing that night, they would talk mm-hmm. their mom into coming over to the park because I'd throw batting practice afterwards. There you and go. That's how they all got to be friends. Yeah. Ball. And then we yep. started getting more kids. You know, you had Matt Brewer there. You had uh, all these kids yeah. would go over, and I was like, we go so dark. I'd be exhausted. Yeah. Throw it. But, I mean, that's the type of thing that these were baseball players. This is yeah. the point I was trying to make. It's, these guys were baseball players when they were eight, nine years old. I yeah. mean, they wanted to play. And, you know, they weren't, you know, we didn't go. I mean, maybe, you know, nowadays you go to, you go to, uh, uh, workouts and you go to lessons and everything else. We didn't do that. We just played. You yeah. know, and it was so much yeah. fun. And that led to all of this other stuff where they There we go. Yeah, so, so very true. I mean, I, I can remember that very fondly of just he's just out there throwing and, you know, the Hewlett show up and what field? hey, uh, over at Fairview Park, man. Yeah. And it was just whatever, whether it was the, we always <laughs> loved playing on that, uh, the diamond with the big wall uh, yeah. because it protected the houses. Yeah. And, you know, that was kind of like a thing like, hey, man, I can't wait to hit one over this fence. And <laughs> so we'd, we'd play out there all night long. And, and even sometimes when they turn the lights on in the big field, like yeah. we could stay out there longer. And, uh, you know, like I said, he never said no. And yeah. we would go every night. Uh, I still remember him buying some old pitching machine because he got so tired of throwing. <laughs> uh, but we would just go, man. Like I – Matt Brewer, the Hewlett's, uh, yeah. Stop Beach, you know, all the beaches. Like, it, it was just like a little practice, Man. and it could be right after our game was over with. It could be, yeah. you know, we'd go and watch the last couple innings of, of their game, you know, because yeah. the Hewlett's were on a different team, and then we'd stay and play afterwards. Uh, it was just always – we were always doing something. We were always outside, and yeah. uh, that that's so true. That's like, that's like Sandlot type stuff, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and that's all it was is like – you know, he'd throw 10 pitches to this guy, you'd run the bases, and then you'd grab your glove and you'd go out there. Yeah. And you just, it was just on repeat. It was all day long. And it, it, was, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. What? So, so what age would you say – it's I'm safe to say it sounds like baseball grabbed you pretty early. What, what, what age would you say really – It was really just sports. I mean, I, okay. I it didn't matter. You know, it was yeah. basketball season. We're outside shooting hoops forever. It was golf. It was yep. football. It was whatever. Yes. But yeah, baseball was just what you did, and it was really nice out. So you always wanted to be outside. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, those were – I mean, we're talking about we're 9, 10, 11, 12 years old at that yeah. point in time. Like, it's not – it's not, you know, 14, 15 when you're riding your bike. No, like, we were 
Yeah. We were kids. all getting together even yeah. way back then. And it's uh, really cool to think about some of that stuff. Your, 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 your dad told me stories about, yeah, you playing all these sports. He, they, he said, talked about him being quarterback and you wanted to run routes all the time as a wide receiver. And yeah. just ate up. Just love sports, love playing, love competing. A, a, a big theme that kept coming up with not only your dad, but other people that I talked to was that the Finnegans are about winning. And would you say that is a theme in the family? That's a, that's a Finnegan thing. Winning is very important. hundred yeah. percent. Like It doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, you know, growing up and I'm still to this day in the same way, I just don't watch TV, like shows, yeah. whatever. I just watch live sporting events. And then I play games with my kids. Yeah. We always played cards. We played Monopoly. We played outside. Like it was always some type of competition okay. and it is Cool. It's cool to think about that stuff, but then also, you know, it, it, it's not like a, I don't hate losing. I know most people that are really competitive, they don't hate, they hate losing. I'm yeah. not that way. I've okay. never been that way. I just love winning that much and I'll do anything and everything to get that feeling. Yeah. Um, and and, oh, okay. and it, cool. it really is something, uh, like, I do feel like there is value in losing. Uh, I've always felt like that. Like you learn and it, and it drives you, right? Like it, it, I, there is a purpose for it, I guess, but I just love winning. And yeah. those card games at the kitchen table and the monopoly games and the sequence games and whatever it may have been growing up, like those things are as heated as heated can get. Yeah. And the competition and winning is throughout the family. There's a lot of bad yeah. blood because <laughs> of some of that stuff. <laughs> That's cool, man. You're um. Your dad talked about at some point you you ended up at the Boys and Girls Club doing some sports over there? For sure. Um, okay. Like basketball, flag football. Same. Um, when, yeah. when, I, when I moved, uh, when I was in fifth grade, we moved from uh, St. Al's Catholic school to, to public school. I couldn't have gone okay. to two different, two different things, right? Going to St. Al's, you know, small classes to Feichens, which Feichens is, is not in a great neighborhood. No. I mean, we, we, we couldn't go outside at recess at uh -uh. times, uh, <laughs> but some of my best yeah. friends and some of my lifelong friends yeah. I met that year, and they helped me get acclimated. But a lot of what they do is, is at the boys, boys and girls club. Yeah. And uh, I went there, man. And just, it was just like a new level of competition too. Yep. And, and yep. it really drove what we were doing. And, and it was just so much more fun. Like it just opened my eyes to all the different people and, yes, well and competition and everything else that were out there. Right. Like I had just mm -hmm. been in that bubble for so long with Fairview park and, and yeah. St. Al's. And then also it was like, man, this is, this is real, right? This yeah. is great. Like, I love yeah. my time there. Teddy Lee and Teddy Lee. Yeah. Some of those guys like yes. just, we're unbelievable and uh I, I just love you know getting to play against some of those guys that then yeah. became lifelong friends and then yeah, we totally. obviously teamed up in high school uh, yeah but just it was just an, another level of competition that, uh -huh. that just drove what i was doing my my, my my parents did the same thing for me i was beating up on everyone in the ymca leagues and i was probably a little aggressive for those leagues yeah and someone suggested you know maybe you should go over to the boys and girls club and i did and i did flag football and basketball over there and it was amazing the level of competition yeah way higher and it also was just nice to see other culture you know how For other sure. people live and like learning to relate to other people that might be a little different than you and that's, that's a valuable Absol skill yes. and, yeah right absolutely yeah. i love absolutely love my time uh you know fifth grade i remember in fifth grade getting a chance to play for like their little boys club traveling team 
Yep. And that was just cool because it was just so much different. It was one of the first times my dad was not my coach. Yeah. Uh, and and Teddy Lee and Coach Banks and some of those guys like they were hard on us, man. And yeah. It was like, hey, this is this is real. Like this is yeah. different. This is real. Yeah. And uh, I love I love that. So. Teddy Lee is an absolute legend, boys club and just sports in the area. So that's a great name. Thank you for dropping that, man. It's yes, so fun to drop yes. these names from the past. Absolutely. Teddy absolutely. Lee. All right, yeah. man, let's get to Little League. Uh, okay. Your dad talked about all, you know, you know, winning in, in Corey League to Fairview. So let's just roll with what you can remember about Little League and some of your earliest memories of baseball and, and, and go from there. Yeah, I mean, it was really the Fairview stuff was so cool. I just remember, you know, some of the ballpark legends that the guys were just so much bigger than everybody else. And and a common theme that I'm sure that you will touch on for me was like, I was never, never big. So small. And it was yeah. always really little. So always having to fight and, and scratch and claw and everything else. Uh, the tough little really, North Ender. I just remember all of those guys being so big and so physical <laughs> and so much better. Uh, but yeah. the common theme too uh, you know, during that time were just like the epic battles with, with arena, which yeah. was the Hewlett's and the Ferguson's and like yeah. anybody that was in the league at that time would tell you like th- those things were just legendary. Like yes. it was, we were one and two all right. the time. Didn't right. matter. Most of the time we were two because we had Kevin Bramlett, uh, yeah. another North end legend who legend. he was our guy. And if we could trot him out there, we had a chance, right? Unhittable, yeah. They, they had, two, three guys. And we, you know, Michael Hill and Bobby Hoskins and then the Hewlett boys. And like, we just, we just couldn't beat them, man. And it was, it was a forever long thing until obviously when we become 13 and we kind of joined forces, but just that is, that is what I remember from the baseball side of it. It's like those, those games are just epic battles um, and would continue to define like that entire age group and everything else until, obviously the magical run um, at 12 like that you know we get to the we get to the state tournaments we do all that stuff but then when it gets to be 12 years old is when you know we did something that very special I don't don't, yeah I just don't think anybody really quite has a grasp of it Uh, really cool to go back and look at it now but just like that that was mind-blowing it still doesn't make sense to this day so uh, we're talking about Hewlett's here we're talking about uh Tim Hewlett, being from the area, played in the big leagues, had a nice big league career, and had some sons. Tug, um, <clears throat> what are the other Hew- – um... So, Tug, Tug's my age, and then Joe's right. a year younger. Uh, right. Yep. You know, Tug and I always hit it off. So like-minded. Yeah. Uh, I love yep. that guy. Got a chance to play against him later on in life, yeah. both in pro baseball and in the Cape Cod yeah. League. Oh, cool. Uh, and just picked right up where we left off. Um, yeah, that was, that was always my guy. Like he, yeah. he and I, your he, dad, he had, he had the confidence that I didn't have. Okay. Um, and, and he like kind of pushed me to be confident. Cool. And it, it was just one of those things that like he hit first, I hit second or vice versa. Like yeah. the entire time we ever played together, but then also like playing against them was just such a thing, man. Like I, I relish those opportunities. Yeah. It was like, man, we get to play them today. Like, yeah. Man, I can't wait. Like, I literally was like a kid on Christmas. Like, That's I cool. cannot wait to go against these guys because I knew that we were going to get their best. I yeah. knew Tug was going to talk a little smack along the way. <laughs> and, like, it was going to be a battle. Even at, even <clears throat> as little kids, like 9, 10, 11 years old, like, I, I, I can remember those days, like, fondly of, like, this is this was real. This That's... is real stuff. So Yeah, your dad talked about you guys' relationship and how 
kind of devastated you were when they moved to Louisiana. Like, it was hard on you. For sure, because like I said, I, I was really close with him. Um, yeah. You know, and, you know, during that time was also when his little brother passed away. And, uh, right. you know, there, there were a lot of things there. But, you know, his even his younger brother, Jeff, is clo- was close with my brother at that time. And, and Joe right. – Joe was always kind of caught in the middle, but Joe was like that fun-loving, just good dude that, that yeah. he loved having around. But Tug, Tug was just something different, man. Like, he'd just never been around a guy who was like me. Tug's not big, even to this day. Yeah. You know, he's five foot ten. Yeah. He's one of the best hitters I've ever been around. Hand-eye coordination is yeah. ridiculous. And, you know, the, the, the I'm sure that we'll get into a million stories, but Tug is the guy that, like, you know, when you're a little kid and, you're, you're, you know, I was most of the time hitting second behind him. And we'd have this guy come up, and he'd be throwing a million miles an hour. And it looked like he was around 107. And everyone's kind of looking like, oh, man. Yeah. Tug would hit a line drive, like, almost off the guy's forehead, round first base, 1,000 miles an hour, and look back in the dugout like, let's go, boys. And then, sure enough, like, here comes everybody else. That raises was, everyone else up, yeah. Oh, my God. And I can remember there were games that we won, you know, even, like I said, the Dairy Queen thing. But then after that, a statesman where it's like, we weren't as talented as those guys, but it was guys like Tug and Dusty. And it's like, the, and you know, the, there was other people involved in this where it was just like, these guys just didn't care. And right. And it was, that was such yeah. a cool thing. And it was like, yeah, yeah we're going to put it on you. And, and he was a, a big part of that. And, and, you know, he helped me. And like I said, you know, as my dad said, like we were really close, obviously moving away is a different time when it's harder to, to, to stay together and, and yeah. stay in communication, but uh, man, he could play. Yeah, that's cool. And Tug enjoyed a uh, strong pro career. Had some had some stints in the big leagues, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. same kind of thing, man. Like he he could play baseball, but the guy could just flat roll out of bat and hit. Yeah, Left-handed the, hitter. It was special. Played at Auburn. Is that right as well? Played at Auburn. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolute stud. All right, man. I think we're here. Then I think we're gonna sit here for a while. I'm so pumped to talk about this thing this in in my head this is like such a magical time for you this is your 12 year old season this is when you guys were famous dairy queen um these are the type of things that i these experiences that you went through are the type of things that really solidify you know path in baseball love of baseball and i remember just being so excited for you guys when you did this this is dairy queen this is a team that won state they went up to minnesota and won a super regional they went to the double abc Little League World Series in Puerto Rico. Um, so cool. I'm going to name off some of the names that, that I have uh, from that roster. Ryan Beach, Scott Beach, Kevin Bramlett, Nick Bramlett, Dugan Brennan, Matt Brewer, John DeRosa, yourself, uh, Michael Kurgisner, uh, Bobby Nika, and the later additions, Nate Guernsey, Matt Rupich, uh, Terry Parnell, and Matt Chili Davis. Yes. So, yes. And then, yeah, just, you know, rolling, then yeah. pick up, pick up tug. And, uh, you know, the crazy, there's a couple crazy things that happened during this whole year. Like first and foremost, like we didn't even win our own league. Yeah. That's crazy. How crazy. Is that the thing? Right. right? We, we don't even win our own league. We finished second. <laughs> um, we, we pick yeah. up Terry and Nate um, and, and, Terry, still a great friend of mine. Uh, our, yeah. our boys play ball together to this great day. Great guy, yeah. Um, and, and Nate Guernsey worked with my dad, was another good player. But like, we don't even win our own league, right? And then yeah. we decide we're going to go to the Springfield Regional or Springfield State and Arena's in there with us, right? So we're like, yeah. here we go. 
we know what we have to do, whatever. Yeah. And I mean, I can remember so many things about this, like the field being like unplayable because it was so wet. Yeah. It kind of gave us another day to, to get prepared. We're working our butt off. My dad, the beach family, the Brennan family, like everyone's working to get this field playable and, and we do. And yeah. for some stupid reason, and I say that because like I was never a good pitcher growing up. I just threw strikes. Is my dad decided I was going to pitch and I'm like, okay, this is, and this is for it all. Yeah. Um, and I just threw strikes and we made yeah. every play and we win. Like it's, it, it did still to this day, doesn't make sense. Right. We yeah. slay the dragon. I think we beat Bobby Hoskins, which is something that we could never do. Another North End legend who just yeah. threw absolute gas left-handed. Like we had no shot at beating, but we beat him. And then it was, it was, like I said, it was like, okay, like, we didn't even understand what was next because we yeah. had had so many epic battles with these guys and everything else. And yeah. uh, one of the cool things, yeah. One of the cool things I remember about that is we win and that, you know, that's right in our neighborhood, right? Indian Hills park, right in yeah. the neighborhood. Um, you know, everybody lives within two minutes of that. And the parents were, you know, having some cookout and, and having a couple of drinks. And, and I remember Eddie beach, uh, Ryan Beach's dad, who since passed away, puts you know Dugan Brennan and, and Scotty Beach and, and Ryan and me all in the back of his car and his pickup and we just did laps around the field. Oh man. Uh singing We Are the Champions, like blaring <laughs> it, right? Because it was such it really was. It was like such a thing. It's like yeah. We we couldn't beat these guys. We right. couldn't do it. And then you know we're winning. You know we won. It's over. Like we we've kind of slayed that dragon. And then it was like, oh, you know, we have to go to Minnesota with no expectations. Yeah. Other than you know we get to pick up Tug. Yeah. Uh, and that part was like, okay, we're gonna get that much better, right? Right. Like, here yeah. we go. And uh, you know, I'm sure my dad remembers some other things about that whole tournament, but I, I yeah. don't really remember it. Other than like. It was raining. We had to clear the field, and then yep. he's like, you're going to pitch. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go. I've got uh, a clip. We find a way. You ready? I've got a clip about the weather. It's hilarious. It's about Grandpa Nika. So a okay, uh, little background, uh, Grandpa Nika, Grandpa Bobby Nika, you know, Landfair legend, the famous basketball coach, led them to state, ter- state championships. A very fiery guy, just to say the least. But when you guys had your, like, rain issue and there was talk of, like, whether we're going to tarp it or not, uh, your dad had a funny story about Grandpa Nike. I'm going to play it. Uh, you know, you know Bob Nike, the old coach from Lambert, sure. right? His grandson are playing our team. Kevin Brown was his grandson. Yeah. And I have two other grands of his grandsons on my team. So I had three grandsons. He told wow. me, he, he walked up to me and said, if you cover this field and it starts raining, those covers are not going to be on there. Because <laughs> he was trying to make it so – you know, if you go till Monday, Kevin can come back a bit. I'm like, no, we're not doing this. So a little little gamesmanship by uh, Grandpa Nika, but you got to pitch. I so, got to pitch. And, yeah. And we somehow found a way. And yeah. it's it was just – it was, like I said, it was surreal. You slayed the dragon. Yeah. Because we finished second in our own league. We could yep. not get over that hump with them, but we did – crazy obviously get a chance to add tug and then go on to minnesota which you know then we've got to play another team from our own area yeah and just for some context here uh back in the day i don't know what what it still is but double abc uh there were two state tournaments there was one in rockford 
and there was one here. Did the previous year you went to Rockford? Previous year went to Rockford, and, yeah. and we won a couple games, but we yeah. didn't advance. Uh, right. And that was our third straight year being in the right. tournament. Uh, I played up as a 10-year-old, yeah. and we played in the Springfield, and, and we lost uh, like in the semifinals, and actually Arena – with tugging those guys wanted as 10 year olds. So okay. same kind of thing. Yeah. Crazy. And um, so pretty unique for both the Springfield teams, for both the Springfield Fairview teams to stay here. Yeah. And then for you guys to beat them after they had won the league and then just how far you guys went blows my mind, but what's even cooler. Okay. We're about to go to Minnesota. So Minnesota, I'm going to call it a super regional. I don't totally remember what it was, but it was just basically like the next region where it's like that part of the country. There's teams yeah. from all over the place. And, Two years later, my team won at the Southwest Braves, and it was a really cool experience. But we showed up, and we had our little wrecked, you know, T-shirts, and all these teams have, like, button-down, beautiful jerseys, traveling teams. Let's, let's talk about Minnesota, man. 100%. And I've got a great story about the, the uniforms which will come into play here when we get to Puerto Rico. But, I already know uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it – it worked in our favor, but just put it that way. Yeah, man. And I, I just remember like we end up becoming winning the first couple of games and everyone's just kind of looking around like uh, we're in this, you know, yeah. and then yeah. we've got to play Southwest. We've got to play Dusty Bensko. And Isn't that crazy? You know, at yeah. this point in time, we've already got, we've already got such a rapport with those guys because right. from the boys club and all the other things, yeah. like, we know they can play. Right. Right. So um, Dusty and them, Dusty and the Pleasant Plains team won the Rockford state tournament. So yes. you guys are meeting in Minnesota, just for the guys that are out there that don't know. Meeting in Minnesota, and yep. we're both undefeated. Yeah. Now, this isn't the championship, but we're both undefeated. And once again, uh, my dad's like, hey, you're going to throw this game. I'm like, okay, this is not going to go well. I already know that. I throw perfect <laughs> hitting speed. And we they, they crush us, but Dusty throws against us. Yeah. So Dusty and me square off, and they, they destroy us. Yeah, I don't even know that I lasted like three innings because we then have to turn around later that day and we have to play again. Yeah. We are like totally out of pitching, but I had only thrown like three innings. So I actually come back and finish out the game in the afternoon and we win. We somehow find oh, a that's way. Cool. Yeah. And, and then we make our way back around to the championship. Now, Dusty and those guys have already beat us once, but lo and behold, here we go. We've got to face them again. Yeah. Right. So now we've got to beat them twice. Yeah. But we know, and this goes back to like the guys in the, in the, the foxhole with you and whatever else, like yeah, our, our dude's ready. Kevin Bramlett's ready. Yeah. He's going to throw one of these games. We, we know that, right? How big is Kevin Bramlett at this age? Like same size he is right now. So six, like over three. six foot tall like <laughs> and, and just long arms through oh, the yeah. absolute daylights out of it. Gaps. Yeah. Like in just carved, yeah, carved. It, it was so much fun to intimidate. Yeah, and he was the quietest, gentlest giant you've ever been around. So was his younger brother uh, Woody. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, both of Same. those guys. Uh, yeah. And so we've got Kevin, but they don't have Dusty for either game, and oh, we know man. that. And we're yeah. just licking our chops, and uh, so it, we go out and like run rule them in game one. Yeah, and I think that Kev through game one. I don't remember who threw game two, but this is a great Hewlett, whatever. Maybe I don't know if my dad ever told this story, but Tyler Kastner throws game two. Okay. Uh, TK, another guy that we had had battles with with Dusty, one of their great friends. Yeah. 
And Tim Hewlett during this time quit playing pro baseball. He retired. Really? Okay. When we go on this run, he retires. He actually, if I have this story right, he comes and meets the team in, in Minnesota. Wow. Right? He's sitting in the stands. And during the first inning of the game, he comes over to my dad and he says, hey, uh, I don't know if you guys want to know this or not. And this is game two. We've already beaten them once. Mm-hmm. This is game two, and he comes over and he tells my dad, he says, hey, I don't know if you want to know this or not, but the dad of the pitcher is calling the pitches from the stands. What? And we're like, you know, my dad's like, uh, yeah, we want to know. <laughs> so he's like, all right, well, first name, fastball, you know, number is breaking ball. That's amazing. And the next thing you know, like, game on, right? Game <laughs> on. Tim Hewlett's calling the pitches from the stands because his dad's fantastic. calling the pitches. Oh, my gosh. We end up winning like 15 to 2 or something like that. <laughs> right? And, like, I just remember being like, this is happening. Like, guys, we're, we're going to Puerto Rico. Like, this is happening because, like, yeah. <clears throat> we know every pitch. It's game on. And just, like, the, the ball was rolling down the hill. Like, and – yeah. Such a cool thing. Uh, you know, the the little things that y- you remember about that stuff, right? Like yeah. just and it, it was it was it was awesome. It was just yeah. you know, we, we end up winning. I think we end up uh, obviously with the score, I think we end up run rolling them. And the the only thing that it, and it kind of chokes me up thinking about this is I remember this. Because my dad has always, 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 like, almost made a joke of it that he loved when the ball got hit to me. Yeah. So the last out is a ground ball, and it's a it's a bouncing ball because we played with these like reduced injury balls. I remember the rip balls. Yeah. Awful. It, yeah. Awful. And first time we ever played with them, right? Same. So it's like yeah. a bouncing ball all over the what? place. So anyway, so it's like a <laughs> bouncing ball right to me. <laughs> can remember like the balls on its way and i remember this vividly is that he like says something like yep it's over and like i haven't even fielded the ball <laughs> but i can hear it right because we're they were we were in the third base dugout yeah. and i like catch it and i make the throw and the, the ball's like barely into his glove and i look and my dad like picks me up and like man we're on what so, a moment what a moment dude and uh you know, hearing you be a little touched right now, your, your, your dad got touched multiple times when we were talking about your career and the, you know, father-son relationship is so special in baseball, so sacred. I can tell it's obviously very special between you guys and that was something you bonded over in a huge way. So it's just, man. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I got, it's, yeah. It's cool. Like we, we have, um, obviously have a really good relationship and, yeah. uh, he never treated me different. He know he treated me just like everybody else. Yeah. Matter of fact, there were times he was he might have been harder on me, but I, I needed it. But also, there were times when, when especially when we got older, where we maybe butted heads because I was like, "Hey, like," I almost felt like he was holding me back a little bit. He didn't mm-hmm. want to expose me, you know, see if I was ready for some things. And yeah. uh, I'm sure that he he has told you a couple of those stories that are, are yeah. hilarious and that we still laugh about to this day. Because, mm-hmm. uh, but we we have shared some unbelievable times because of things yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Like I, something I'll never, never, ever, ever forget. Like yeah. just that that part. And then, uh, actually, you know, as we're going to the Puerto Rico thing, I actually got an opportunity to sit down and watch over COVID. Uh, 
the games from Puerto Rico. Oh, wow. One of the things that I remember like most vividly about the first game was the fact that he was going more crazy than anybody else. Like his energy was like infectious and like, you know, he, he would tell you the same thing, like going back and watching that. He's like, I can't believe I was acting like that. But at that moment he was having so much fun. Yeah. So, and that's so cool. And, uh, circling back to the Minnesota here, I know we finished, but I think it's so cool. And it, it really highlights how talented baseball was in this area that you're at this regional and it's two basically Springfield teams facing off, you know, in Minnesota, that's crazy. And obviously, Eventually, we'll get to it, but you guys go and kind of join forces, and this, that's kind of where the statesmen were born in some ways. For but, sure. Um, yeah. That's so a big part of it right there, that game. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we had just had, had more battles on, like, the basketball floor mm-hmm. at that point than we had baseball. But it was obvious to see that, like, there was just so many good players at that point in time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously, Dusty and I remain great friends, and there's yeah. such a – Mutual respect and there is, then getting sure. to play together, man. Like one of my favorite guys I've ever played with, and we are totally different people and personalities. And yeah. uh, but that that kind of started the, the combining of forces and everything else. Yeah, so cool. So and uh, another thing that I want to highlight here that like I took for granted when I was a kid is like you're going from state here to Minnesota to Puerto Rico a week later, and it's like. Are you like, no, as a kid, you're not thinking, oh, my dad's taking off a week from work right now and another week and another week and another, you know, but just the, the, the sacrifices that our parents made for us is incredible. Unbelievable. To be able to, you know, unbelievable. And I remember my grandpa who is, was one of my best friends and I, I miss him dearly. He was going around to every business that he could possibly find to help sponsor this thing. Cause he mm-hmm. ended up going to Puerto Rico and he was yeah went with us to all these trips and everything else. And I remember like cool stories of like China star on the North end, like donating $10, Yeah, you know, like there was just so many little things like that where you're just like, wow, like there's so many sacrifices were made. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just something that still to this day, I mean, that's 20, that's over 25 years ago that we still yeah. talk about that stuff. Yeah. All the time. So cool, man. And uh, so next up, we're going to end up in Puerto Rico and, this is not the little, the Little League World Series that people see on TV. Um, it, I think it's some sort of a different entity that is combined or that uh, it goes to that. But this is the same kind of a thing, exactly. Like it's where you end up. The highest level of Little League essentially is you end up in Puerto Rico. So tell me about leading up to Puerto Rico, getting there. How was this experience? Like, what can you remember? Yeah, I mean, all of it was just mind blowing. You know, we we come back from Minnesota. There's like a parade at, at Indian Hills Park. Oh, cool. There's yeah. Like, you, you know, there's fire engines that brought us from getting off the interstate of 55 right there by Kingpin and taking yeah. us over to the park. Like, oh, you know, the whole time we're just yeah. like, what, what, like you, I think we knew it was kind of a big deal, but like just not, not what it was going to eventually end up being. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I just remember my dad being on the phone like the entire time trying to get all this organized and, you know, we were going to take a, we took a charter bus from uh, Sangamon Center right there by the Hardee's yeah. to St. Louis. We flew from St. Louis to New York, New York to, to Puerto Rico. And most of the time, you know, we're 12 years old. Some, some of the guys are younger. Like this is the yeah. first time we ever, ever flown. Yeah. Um, like all of this stuff, like we get Man. into Puerto Rico at like midnight. 
they got school buses waiting for us. Like take us to our hotel, which is in downtown San Juan. We're right on the beach. Like there's yeah. a casino in our hotel. Like the whole thing was just like, holy, like what, yeah. what, what are we, what are we doing? Surreal. Like yeah. seriously, what are we doing? And then. <laughs> These North just, End kids. Yeah. We're, awesome. we're literally, we're a, we're a little league team. Like yeah. we're your local, like put together. <laughs> like we had a couple guys um, that couldn't afford to go to Minnesota. Yeah. That then were like, they, they didn't go. That then when we got to Puerto Rico, we're like, yeah, like we're going. Like we're just going to figure it out because <laughs> this is, this is incredible, you know? Like, uh, so like, yeah, it's just little things like that, you know? Yeah. And, and you got to get an opportunity to go to Puerto Rico. Um, oh, man, so cool. You know, somewhere I, I've always wanted to go back just to relive some of that stuff. Yeah. And uh, it's just, just wild. I mean, you go there and, you know, we get there, like I said, school buses pick us up. Um, you know, we're right on the beach. So we're like going out to the beach like every day. We get like a practice day. They actually have a parade. Um, yeah. It's in a little small town next to um, right outside San Juan. Yeah. Tal Baja. And they took like a bigger stadium, like a high school stadium, had a bunch of you know, probably had. I don't know, maybe a thousand seats, maybe a little bit less than that. And mm-hmm. uh, they brought the fences in and built a mound and everything else. But uh, it, it was I mean, just just a different experience. And, you know, it's yeah. eight teams, six yeah. American teams, and then two Puerto Rican teams. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just. You your, know, dad, he, your dad talked know. about teams from all these. They were like Dallas and like big places. And like, yeah. then there's Springfield, Illinois, you know, <laughs> like, like Dallas, LA, Atlanta, yeah. New York city. Yeah. Like, totally. Like we were such <laughs> outsiders. Such yeah, outsiders. Like, you already kind of alluded or mentioned it, but your dad, <laughs> I'll lead you a little bit, but your dad talked about the, the Jersey thing where you guys, it, it worked in your favor to have okay. kind of scrubby looking uniforms. Yeah. And well, you know, we go for the parade and yeah. you know, we have, a faded red Dairy Queen jersey. That's what we have. <laughs> yeah, it's just a T-shirt, and it's yeah. faded because we've played in the same jersey all right. year long. Yeah, and then when you make the playoffs at Fairview, you get a white, like grayish white shirt that says Springfield Fairview on it. Yeah, and it had a Dairy Queen symbol on the side. Yep. So those are our two jerseys. So like, we wore the Springfield Fairview one, I think, to the to the parade, and parade. everyone else has like button-down jerseys, and they're they look beautiful, like. <laughs> The, the LA team had like true Dodgers jerseys, right? And we're just like looking around, like, man, like, we don't fit in. There's, right. there's nothing. So you know, fast forward to the first game, we play the team from Dallas, and they're yeah. Dallas Hurricanes. They're beautiful jerseys and whatever mm-hmm. else, and they have all these really big, athletic-looking dudes. But you know, they yeah. see us in our t-shirts and like scraggly, you know, pants yeah. and. You know, but literally, we we have pants that the Fairview gave to us. Like they're not, there's nothing. Half of them have yeah. holes in them, and so yeah. because of that, they don't throw their guy. Yeah, uh, they have That's a guy who said. like no one could touch. They we saw him throw, hundred percent. And because of that, you know, same kind of thing. Here you go. We go out, and I, I'm pretty sure that we were the home team. We had to have been. Uh, this team and, was sixty three and four prior to this. Yeah, we, we go out in the first, and we've got our guy. We throw KB, we throw Bramlett, and yeah. he struggles a little bit. And, you know, I made a play that I think that you referenced with my dad where, like, go down the left field line, 
catch a, a pop-up and a turn yeah. into double play and we get out of all this madness in the first yeah and i think it was a, a collectively just like okay we're pl- we're just playing ball now like we survived we're just playing ball and i'm pretty sure whether it was me or tug because like i said we we're one and two but it's like base hit base hit it's first and second or even first and third and you can just tell from that point on it's game on like yeah the same kind of thing that we've we've already alluded to is like the tug thing, like when he gets a hit or I, I can't remember if it was him or I hitting at the top, but it's like the two of us. And then all of a sudden it's like everybody else is like, well, this ain't nothing. Here we go. Yeah. And I think we put up like a two or three spot and it just, it just keeps going and Man. we get up and, you know, fast forward to the fifth inning. And I think it's Scotty beach hits a home run. Oh, wow. And, and my dad, another thing that you remember vividly, like we, we were a high energy group anyway, but like my dad is literally about to rip off the face of the dugout and the dugouts are like enclosed <laughs> and he's about to like rip off the face of the dugout. And now all of us were like going nuts. Right. Cause we're up 10 to two. Yeah. But it hasn't dawned on us that like, that's it. It's an eight run rule. Oh it's shit. The fifth inning. We've won. Yeah. My dad is like, when I say going nuts, like I, I hope to someday be able to like share this video. Like he's about to rip the face of the dog off. And none of Man. us have really figured it out because we didn't have yeah. an eight run rule. We had a 10 run rule. And so he's just going nuts. And the next thing you know, he's like, it's over. And we're like, what are we? and we see the other team walking away, like throwing their gloves down. Man. And all of a sudden it hits us like, yeah. Oh, uh, oh my God, like we, we won a game. Like, wow. you, you know, because we, we were, we were overmatched. Don't care what anybody says. Like, <laughs> we were overmatched. We have no business winning this game, but like we, we won. So we're like yeah. out shaking hands. And like, there's a little bit of like the hugging and like, you realize what we just did type of thing? Like, wow. holy cow. And yeah. so that, that's how the first game ends. And, and it's just, that's amazing. Now, is, is just this the case? So, we just you, you just alluded, or talked about like your your jerseys kind of helping you having the scrubby uniforms. They yes. didn't throw their ace. Is this the team your dad talked to me about that had a guy that reminded him of like Brian Bosworth that threw like 80, 85 miles an hour as a twelve year old? Absolutely. He, he like, was like six foot three, like two hundred and ten pounds. Like and it was like when we we went to a banquet the night of the parade, it was like, Dear God, I hope this guy like either can't play or something. Yeah. Uh, he actually hit a ball in that game. Like I said, the, the little things you oh, remember, yes. he hit a ball so hard. It knocked my glove off and thank the wow. Lord, the ball stayed in my glove and it was right at my feet. Yeah. And I picked it up and threw him out. And I remember like coming back going like I, that ball caught me. Like I didn't catch it. Like, <laughs> he, he hit it so hard that there was nothing I could do, but just yeah. get in the way of the ball. Yeah. yeah. And at, what was the mound? Is that 48? 48 feet? Uh, I believe so. It was something like that. But I, I just remember yeah. go, going the next day and they played right in front of us and he was pitching and uh, they beat the L.A. team or somebody like that. And it's I, 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 yeah, it was you could barely even like track it with your eyes. <laughs> I can imagine being in the, <laughs> in the batter's box trying to hit it. How, so. how big are you at this age at 12? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I couldn't even begin to tell you. Not big at all. Um, five feet? No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely wow. not. I, I don't even think I was five feet when I when I entered high school. I know that you love to show that picture. Um, I did. Yeah. That that accompanies this podcast, and that is uh, <laughs> that is when I was fourteen years old, and I was about yeah. 
I was about six weeks from my 15th birthday. I'll, I'll, I'll post them. And actually, your dad sent me probably 30 pictures this morning of all throughout your career. It's amazing. I'm going to post a lot of them. But there's one picture that you sent me, and it's just like a, a team picture of the statesman. And it's hilarious because the the difference between you and Dusty Bensko is so comical because he's probably close to the, his height now, 6'3", 6'4". Yeah. And you look like a bat boy. You look like you're under five feet tall. And like 100%. Hundred percent, so and yeah. I, I was always like that, and it never like dawned on me. Uh, I know. I mean, I've even I even had there was a time you know going to that that picture in that tournament. There was a time that there was a team from Michigan that had a guy that was like six foot five. Yeah, your dad and talked about this. Yeah, he actually got on his knees at first base to hold me on, and I was like, <laughs> "You talk about the biggest shot to like your ego and manhood." It's like, Brother, I get it. I'm so I get it. I'm littler than anybody else, but like, yeah. Do you have to do it? Do that to me? Come on. The disrespect. Yes. The disrespect. Yeah. Oh man, that's amazing. All right, so um, on to our next game in Puerto Rico. How does that? How does that fare? Yeah. So we we win. We're in the winners bracket, and mm-hmm. then we've got to play like the the premier night game against Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, the host team. And they're and, loaded, uh, aren't they? loaded your dad says they're like grown men yeah and they had two girls on the team that were like the meanest looking people you've ever seen like it was (laughs) it was one of those things where you're like and one of the cool parts about this was it was like a it was kind of like a pro stadium yeah um and and they had like some cages underneath so you could like get ready and you know we we go out on the field after the games or or the game in front of us is over with and you you take ground balls i think you got to take infield outfield but like when we like stepped out and we had been inside for like a good maybe 45 minutes to an hour before stepping on the field. And I just remember like, holy cow, this is the most people I've ever played in front of by yeah. like 20. Right. Uh, and it was loud. It was raucous. It was, you know, their, their Latin culture is very loud, right? There's right, music yeah. and there's bongos yeah. and there's people. A lot of c- celebrating. Yeah, absolutely. Bottles. And there's the whole field surrounded with, with people. And, yeah. uh, you know, for, for us, that was really overwhelming. You know, they were they were really good, but it was just uh, it was something. Yeah. And uh, man, they came out and put it to us. I, you know, I think we got run ruled right back, and uh, yeah. you know, it was it was just one of those experiences you'll never forget because it was like this is this is big boy baseball, right? Yeah. Like this sure. is this was something. Um, yeah. And for the first time in a long time, we just felt a, a little bit overmatched. Sure. Uh, but it was one of those things you go back and you look at it, you're just like, and never have that experience for another probably five, six, seven years, just because you're in front of the hometown team. Uh, yeah. You get a true sense of what this is all about. And yeah, uh, yeah man, we got humbled quite a bit. Yeah. And um, you're, you're, I've got a clip here. I want to play in a second, but your, your dad talked about the Puerto Rico fans, like appreciating the way that you guys played. And there, there was kind of a, like a nod to you guys after the game. For sure. Um, they, they, whatever for whatever reason uh, and we had a lot of colorful uh characters on that team mm-hmm. uh, me not being one of them uh <laughs> but like dugan brennan and in the beaches and and terry parnell being one of those nate guernsey just a lot of colorful like really outgoing personalities so like even yeah. at the at the banquet beforehand we were the only team that like got out on the dance floor and was dancing and okay. at the parade we got like got off the float and we're handing things out. Like we were just really involved in everything and really soaked it all up. Yeah. And then I think because of 
you know, my dad's energy and just, we just played very hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we were like the, the underdog and the, the, the scraggly uniforms. And yeah. We just it. so many things that I think people rallied around. We, we were not the prima donnas. We were yeah. the group that like just got after it and really Love lived it. up to maybe our North end character. Right. North uh, end baby. Yeah. Yeah. And the Puerto Rican people, like we started to become like their favorite. Obviously we yeah. weren't when we played against them. And, uh, you know, one of the cool things for me was I, I'd be the first one to tell you, like I played out of my mind during that entire tournament. That's what your dad said. A lot of it was defense, like every play, any ball that was anywhere around, like I made every play. And yeah. after one of the games, one of, I don't know somebody that had something to do with a local Puerto Rican team uh, asked to talk to me at the end of the game and uh, actually gave me a Puerto Rican Jersey that I still have uh, and, you know, put in my man cave and have a bunch of other memorabilia from that trip. And uh, he essentially said like, you know, he gave me the number eight because of Cal Ripken. And he's like, you know, you know, you play shortstop like that. And I was like, man, that's, that's one of my favorite players growing up. So like that, yeah. that meant a lot to me. And uh, it, it was just really cool. It was just like, basically gave it to me to, wow. you know, it just has like a token, you know, for my play yeah, and, and some of the what things like that. And it's something that, you know, is really cool to reflect back on now. Uh, yeah. So cool. Yeah. I, so I, uh, I've got two great clips, one clip I'm saving for the very end. And it okay. is about your at the very end. I'm saving. I'm saving that. It's about your jersey. But here's another one, that's just about the Puerto Rico fans appreciating you guys. And I will warn you, that your dad gets a little emotional during this clip. So, uh, like I said, no one had more fun or more energy on that trip than he did. <laughs> Here we go. We get all done, and I'm in. We're in the dugout, and all the kids are, you know, jumping around, and you know, because we won, and that's it. And a guy from Puerto Rico comes up to me and says, "Hey." Um, I just want to let you know there's some people that want to greet you outside and want to tell the kids good game. They're right outside the door here in the dugout because they had really nice dugout. Uh-huh. You walked underneath to the dugout. And I said, oh, okay, fine. That's, that's cool. That's neat. So I told all the kids, you know, here's what's going on. We walked out of that dugout. There was 500 people <laughs> greeting those kids and really? telling them good game because they beat wow. that team. Wow. I mean, they got their arms around them. It's, it's, our parents can't even get down. Yeah. 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 Our parents can't even get down to say, you know, good game to their own kids. Yeah. Couldn't get near them. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Something I've never, ever seen before in my whole life. Never was. Powerful. Pretty cool moment. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I, yeah. So cool, man. How does, um, so we're one and one right right now in Puerto Rico? Yeah, one and one. Um, having the most fun of our entire lives, going yeah. back to the hotel, going swimming. Yeah, your dad said uh, you guys made, like, friends with another team down there. You were close with another team. Yeah, and, and that's, like I said, that was the characters of this whole thing and the, yeah. and the personalities. Like, yeah. never, ever, 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 um, you know, met strangers, just super welcoming. And, you know, the parents were having more fun than the kids were because there was a casino in the hotel. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was just something that we'll never forget. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
And then we come back and we lose an absolute heartbreaker uh, the next one, and then we're we're out. But we get to play a consolation game, um, mm-hmm. which ended up being a heartbreaker as well. Uh, we we ended up playing the four teams we played were you know Dallas, Texas. We played uh, the Puerto Rican team. Uh, game three was against. Um, was against an LA team that had Nomar Garcia Perez, little brother on it. Michael. So you're, you're talking about some really, really high level people. Wow. And then uh, we played a team from Atlanta and, yeah. in the consolation game, and we lost some extra innings with that. And uh, man, it was just an unbelievable experience. Like, like I said, my sister and brother got to go on the trip. They still talk about it. Yeah. You know, other other siblings and grandparents and things like that. Like it's magic. Yeah. You know, it kind of fizzled out after that second game on the baseball side of it because we lose two heartbreakers. But yeah, um, it's just you know just a run that yeah was just, a team that finished second in their own like little league. Like I love on. that. Like, that's I just ridiculous. Love that. It is ridiculous. And like a yeah. little Springfield little league second yeah. place ends up in the little league World Series. I just yeah, man, so special. That must have just and, been such an amazing experience for you. It, it was, it was. And that group, you know, parts of that group end up becoming, uh, you know, the statesmen. Yeah. And, and it really is like, you know, still lifelong friends with, with some of those guys and uh, just, just things that, that, like I said, it's 25 years later that we still talk about all the time because it's yeah. something that you never would have expected. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, we come home. Is there anything? Is there any any more kind of celebrations for you guys after that? Or yeah, like they the did of kind of the same thing where they yeah. had a, you know a little parade and and you know they they had like decorated a lot of our houses and uh, you know I remember some of the families that that you know we had some cousins that that were a part of that like the Ruff family was was big during that time and and the Santini family you know we we had people that were there like every step of the way while, while yeah. they weren't in the dugout with us or at the games, but like we, we just heard from them. There so many people like that that were very involved in, in all of it. So that's awesome. Before we um, move on to the Statesman, which I'm equally pumped to talk about, um, yeah. I've got, I've got some Greg quotes and I have to do Greg quotes in like blocks here because I've got like four pages of them. So yeah, if, I read, if, I read, if I read them all, I'm going to sit here forever, but I've got it. I've got some quotes kind of from your early days here. I'm just going to rip through a couple of them on PJ as a kid was always tagging along to my softball games, always had someone to play catch with. Um, He loved chasing foul balls at the Brown bomber. And your, your dad was a local sports legend for, you know, basketball, softball, baseball, golf Um, was always finding people to throw uh, batting practice to him was always playing baseball, basketball, never had to ask him to practice. I already played that clip. And I, I loved that. That was really special. Um, Played Corey Lee, then Miners in Fairview, um, and then that core group, the Hewlett's and the Beaches started up, moved up at 10 to play in the majors. There was nothing left for you in the minors. Uh, loved running pass routes, wanted to be a receiver. Wasn't the biggest kid, but had the biggest heart. It never mattered to him that other kids were bigger than him. And I, that, that I've never heard you say one thing here since we've been talking about. It doesn't seem like you felt intimidated being smaller than the other kids. Like it didn't occur to you or it just wasn't something that bothered you. Is that – Accurate. No, not yeah, one hundred percent accurate, and that's why I say like a little bit of my personality and and my mom shining through, like yeah. she's the toughness, and 
I don't know. It never really mattered. I was always, it's one of those things that you laugh at now. It's like, I think I was like too dumb to know that there was something I should have been worried about or anything (laughs) like that. I was like, I just wanted to go win and compete. Who cares how little I was? Yeah. I love that dude. Um, He talked, this was funny. He said that up in Minnesota, the, the, the mounds were so big that you did not get off them. So you stayed essentially, you know, like you, when you pitch, eventually you get to flat ground, but you stayed on the incline the whole time because you weren't big enough to get off them. Accurate. That does not surprise me. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> that, but that does not surprise me at all. Yeah. And that's so funny you brought up those rit ball because I remember that too. Like we played with normal baseballs yeah. up until Minnesota, and then they all of a sudden give you these like bouncy balls that were not fun to play with. No, no, yeah. and they, they just reacted differently. Yeah. And I just remember playing the infield like – in, in one yeah. sense, it was okay because everything was a big hop, and the other was like it was getting on you in a hurry. Yeah. Um, some, some talk about Puerto Rico. The teams were absolutely huge. We by far were, were from the smallest place. I talked about, you know, Dallas, Atlanta, all those places. Yeah. The first team uh, from Dallas was 63-4. and four. So they basically played over twice the amount of games that you guys had. Uh, he told me all about how you guys wore T-shirts the day before, and that helped you. That was amazing. He talked about your spectacular catch when you – dove and doubled a guy up and that's you know a nod to your baseball iq we'll get to that but every single person that i talked to raved about your instincts and your baseball iq came up again and again and again and again and we'll get to that he talked about the brian bosworth looking guy that threw 85 and uh so he talked about there was like they they set up shorter fences on the field but it was actually like a high school or a pro field or something like that but this guy hit a home run over the other fence not he the did. little league fence he the did. fence behind the fence which is that crazy is true story man <laughs> yeah so cool um you guys won the sportsmanship trophy down there and then later as the statesman won more sportsmanship trophies and he was always proud of that how you guys carried yourselves and you know respected the game uh, all right so i'm gonna break now and now we're gonna get into the springfield statesman my man and we're at we're an hour a little over an hour in and i i exactly as i predicted we got a lot of stuff to talk about so this is gonna be like i said an odyssey my man so i told dusty bensko when i had him on that you know i I grew up an atlanta braves fan diehard and uh, my other favorite team was the springfield statesman you guys were loaded to the absolute gills with with players so amazing i'm gonna run through who i think of as like the the core guys and i know they were guys that came in and out but (laughs) yeah your dad was so proud of like Everyone pretty much went on and played a high level of baseball after the Statesman. But, you know, uh, Tug Hewlett played at Auburn, played in the show. Joe Hewlett played at McNeese State, played some pro ball, had some indie ball stints. Bo Gum played at Parkland, St. Joe's. Uh, obviously, you, SIUC, had a minor league stint. Phil Laurent <clears throat> played at Liberty, played some indie ball, and then had a stint with the uh, Padres. Clint Cuffel. Absolute stud D1 basketball player and your uh, two-on-two partner. I want, I want to talk about that at some point. I know that's funny. Uh, Nate Guernsey, who was an absolute baller in basketball. J.R. Kyes, what a stud. Played at Lincoln Land and U of I. Matt Clark, ISU. Adam Locker, Lincoln Land. Terry Parnell, Lincoln Land. Dusty Bensco, <clears throat> U of I. And then the Twins. And then also Eric Gum at Lincoln Land. I, were the Beach Brothers in there, too? The beaches were in there too. They they kind of came uh, after the Hewlett's left, yeah. and then uh, you know there's other guys that were in and out. Will Hopkins, Joey Hemstock yep. from from Southeast, Southeast. Mike Fitch uh, from Pittsfield. I mean, th- there was always kind of a revolving door of guys yeah. that that were helping out. But uh, it, those, and I'm sure that Dusty alluded to this. Like th- those 
that group was just ridiculous. So ridiculous. Uh, And the best part about it was they're so unassuming. And what I mean by that is like, there wasn't any of this flair. There was none of this, like we didn't have great uniforms that, that trend always continued with us. (laughs) There was never any of this like fanfare. There was not, it was just like, man, the, that was like the toughest group of dudes that could just play yeah. And when we showed up, it was like game on and it was yeah. just so much fun. It didn't matter. Like it just didn't matter. Like we, we would always like joke around and try to find a, uh, a reason why we wanted to destroy other people. Uh, yeah. Whether or not it's just because they had a guy that, you know, was acting like a fool or they had bad uniforms or whatever it may be. But that, that group was just so much fun to be around. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just, it, it's so crazy too. All you guys went on to play like high yeah. level baseball and, you know, your, your dad talked about all these, you know, you went all over the country playing like yes. East Cobbs and like you guys were playing the dogs of the country. You know, it wasn't yeah. like you were sticking around here playing Petersburg, you know, and Lincoln like you were. No, and that, that was the original like um, that's when like travel teams started to become a thing. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the real reason for that was like you, you were so spread out that it was like, hey, let's get 10 to 12 really good players together and then let's go play some play some people like that right let's yeah. go play some very very high level baseball it's a totally different thing going now but back then i mean we we were always in the same tournaments with the best programs in the entire country yeah and formed unbelievable relationships with them and those games just were crazy yeah how did crazy. um you guys start at 13 was that when the state started at 13 but it wasn't right. like the full right full dusty monthly, didn't come I until guess, 14 with, yeah, and it was it was basically you know going back to the the Dairy Queen thing. Tim Hewlett decides, hey, I'm I'm done with pro baseball. Yeah, I like to start coaching. My dad's like, great, let's let's keep these guys together. Let's yeah. do this. And so that's kind of how it came about. Uh, you know, Bo Gum's dad, Billy, and my dad went to college together. So that's how we pick up Bo. Cool. And and, and we just kind of started to add to it a little bit, and then it really. You know, we played in the Southwest League as 13-year-olds, and then it yeah. really takes off when we become 14. We had Dusty. We had Joe Hewlett. We had Phil Lorette. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, uh, this is this is crazy. This is yeah. like, we're, we're not losing at all. I think that team, as crazy as this sounds, I think that team, if I, if I hear this right, went 80 and 10. Wow. Um, <laughs> because we don't have school ball, right? So you can start playing in March. Oh, yeah. In April, right? Wow, so we yeah. play it that whole time. Um, and I'd have to ask Dusky and my dad and some of those other guys. But, like, I think of those 10 losses, we lost to the same team, like, three or four times. Okay. So, like, you know, we lost to East Cobb twice. We yeah. lost to a team out of Chicago twice. Yeah. We lost to a team out of Dallas who eventually yeah. knocked us out of the World Series twice. So, like, we really only had, like, six teams that beat us that year. Wow. And to, like, wrap your head around that is just crazy. Yeah, and you did end up beating East Cobb at some point later on in your career, right? We So, we actually knocked them out of the World Series that yeah. year in Cabo. So, and that's the game that I broke my ankle. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that it is that year uh, because the, the, we lost to a team out of Texas – who we finished third in the World Series. They finished second, and a team called the West Covina Dukes uh, won it all, and we actually beat them in the first round. Okay. So, like, they came all the way back through the loser's bracket to win it all. 
yeah. um, with their only loss being us. So like we're, we're not we're not facing, you know, the what we joke around here of like the Snickle Fritz teams. Like we're <laughs> facing the big, the big boys of baseball. Snickle so. Fritz, yeah. And the, for those of you that yeah. don't know, East Cobb is just like a storied traveling program from from the Georgia area. Is that right? At that time, they have, you know, probably six or eight guys that end up playing in the big leagues and have, like, yeah. decent careers. Right. Uh, They're absolutely stacked. You know, legendary. They, they, they crank out the pro and, and college players. And, like, everyone knows who East Cobb is. And for you guys to be, you know, the Central Illinois team going to these World Series and, you know, finishing in the top four and winning some of them and runners-up and USAA and just, man, so cool and – just so cool that you get to go around the country and just, you know, cut your teeth against the best competition. You know, it's one thing to just be playing a lot of baseball, but it's another to like really be stacking up against the best in the country and like growing from yeah. that. I just, man, what, what, what a cool experience for you. How, how uh, close is, is this team? You know, really like close. The best group I mean, of guys, man. The best group of guys still to this day, we have like little mini reunions and, and things like that. And it, it was so much different back then because there was like, you know, it was a true travel team and you had a lot of parents that couldn't get off work. Mm-hmm. So you had my dad and, and Rick Kyes and, and Tim Hewlett and some of the other dads that then stuffed four to five guys in their in their vans and we went. You know, yeah. Diane Bensko would typically drive because she was a teacher. So she would go along. But you just didn't have a lot of parents. So when it was the downtime, we played cards and we went swimming and we yeah. went to the go-kart tracks and played wiffle ball. Like we, we just didn't, it was just such a different time. And yeah. uh, we spent a ton of time together and that's where like the two on two basketball thing comes in. Like, yeah, it was just a group of guys and a lot of us <laughs> played at different schools. Right. So yeah. when we got together in the summer, it was just like, Hey man, I haven't seen you since January. Yeah. Like how's things yeah. like what's going on. And then we just picked up right where we left off. And it was just yeah. such a good group. So many like-minded guys. And, and yeah. I think we all got better from being around each other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That kind of competition. Um, yeah, let's just do it now. I, I, Bensko talked about it multiple times. I want to hear about yeah. this famous two-on-two game where you guys put it on Dusty and uh, Gum. So for those of you that don't know, Dusty and um, <clears throat> Bo Gum here were like basically state champs at Pleasant Plains Class A. You know, thought they were on it, you know, very hot basketball players. And you obviously were a very strong player at Lanfair, played point guard, Clint Cuffle being an absolute stud at Riverton, and then later the University of Evansville. But uh, Dusty, it sounds like you guys humbled them in, in a very yeah. big way. We, we were on a trip in Michigan, and there was like a rec center right next door, and everyone's like, well, let's go play. And somehow, some way, we get teamed up, and me and Cuff, and he and, uh, and Bo, and you know, this is, this was high school. So like these guys are really involved and ingrained, you know, they play against one another cuff and, and those two guys. And yeah. I know we, we were in different classes and, you know, cuff can cuff as athletic as can be and, yeah. and can really score it. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm coming from a two a school, so the game is so much faster than what yeah. they're dealing with. <clears throat> yeah. And man, we just ran circles around them at the end of it. Dusty's <laughs> like, we were playing two different games, right? He's just like, we, we can't play at that speed. You know, Cuff is Cuff loves to run his mouth, and, yeah. and it was just one of those things. Where, like that ended the. the there was never a, a question of like, oh yeah, man, like we could beat you guys or anything. And it was like, nope, this is it. You know, it. Yeah. it was just like 
we just wiped the floor with them. And it was, it was just, we were playing at such a faster speed than they could. Dusty talked about getting thunder dunked on, but he didn't even know what was happening. It just, I I love how he tells the story. It's, it's, yes. And and Dusty is, you know, listening to his was so much fun because he's so humble. So humble. Yeah. And he plays totally different than the way he acts. Everyone says that. Yeah. and, And it's, it's, it's a good arrogance. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I wish you would have touched on more with him going in line with the statesman is uh, the home run that he hit against the Blue Jays, the Snecdy Blue Jays. Like you guys, like danced on it. it. Of that whole year of being fourteen and playing with him, that yeah. that's like one of my best memories. And I had nothing to do with it. Like I yeah. got out right before that, and I'm thinking we're dead to rights. Like this is over. Like our our season's over. Yeah. And he hits a ball that like looked like a golf ball. Like he hit it <laughs> so far, and he is is king of celebrating, which you would never guess because of how <laughs> humble he is. Right. And he turns, looks in our dugout, and bat flips and throws this bat. Like I kid you not, <laughs> fifty feet in the air, and we're yeah. back. Right. Like that ties the game, and we're back, and we end up winning it the next inning and whatever else. But like he, he, you talked about it, it is Paul Bunyan. Like, yeah, I played with Paul Bunyan, and I feel the same way. Like, it, yeah, you know, he wore the number three, and then during that year, we used to laugh because it was like one, two, three, and you're back in the dugout when he was pitching. Like, it, it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, like, we were out there like with our gloves off because he was just blowing it by people, and, and he's he he is a folk hero. Yeah, he, absolutely. I, I, that's how yeah. I. A lot of people grew up looking at thinking about Dusty Bensko, like you know, larger than life hitting. Throwing, throwing, you know, fuego on the mound, hitting Titanic bombs at a young age. He's a grown man, you know, super yeah. talented. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. He, he, and he was the driving force. You know, we get him, and and then he, you know, I think we have elevated his game on that on that yeah. statesman team. But when we were fourteen, it was just it was just different. Yeah, I mean, he he could just do things where you're just like, uh, yeah, we, I'm not <laughs> I'm not physical enough for that. So like, it was it was you know you're in awe being in the same yeah. dugout and that, that doesn't happen very often. I mean, I never forget him hitting a home run at the Ozzy Smith sports complex in, uh, in St. Louis and they didn't have fences, but he hit it so far that he was around the bases before it got back to the field. And you're just like, <laughs> we're playing a different game, man. Like this is, this isn't the same, same game, you know? Hey, I, I love a good dusty folk folk story, man. Seriously. Yeah. There's so many of them. Like, Yes. People yes. have still continued to text me some Dusty Bensko stories, you know, months and months after we did his. Like, hey, yes. I remember when he did this. And, <laughs> and they're yeah. all true. They're all true. What are yeah. what are some of, oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to play a Bensko clip. Perfect timing. Bensko clip about you. And it, I have it titled Bensko on PJ being amazing. So I'm not, let's go. And PJ checks all those boxes too. Like, just, just a great person. Um, super intelligent, smart person. Um, was always great in the classroom. Uh, yeah. Someone, you know, there's not a lot of peers that you like look up to and, and want to be like, but he was one of those guys just with, um, you know, of course he was a great athlete, but but also just a good dude and um, yeah, really, really strong academically. And, just, you know, just kind of checked every box that uh, you were looking to check. Like awesome golfer, awesome <laughs> basketball player, baseball yeah. player. Oh, great. He, he really, you know, he really could do it all, but, but – the one thing that I take away is just just a great, great person. So that's why I'm sure he'll be so successful as a head baseball coach. Just because Ben Scope's showing you some love for sure. Yeah, it's it's all mutual, man. Like yeah. that that group 
he included is just was special special group of people like yeah. we we had so much fun and mo- most of us like you know they had a different thing going at, at planes but we we just relished in those summers just because it was yeah. just such good people yeah uh, we obviously won a ton of games and it was just cool to travel with them and and those feelings are mutual man like it, it, it was it was fun and and we got to spend even more time together because most time he played third and I played short. And, yeah. You know, we'd have a full on conversation while the game was going on. That's yeah. cool. I've got, um, I've got some dusty quotes I want to go through here. So he, uh, he called you the number one player he's ever played with. He says he's known you since you were 10 at first rivals, later teammates. And, you know, and then later great friends, his whole family are great people from Greg, Mary, PJ, Mikey, sister, high character, hardworking, you know, PJ checks all those boxes. Um, with recruiting, sometimes it's all a show. With PJ, it'll be who it actually is, who he actually is. So he's talking about you as a coach now. And, yeah. like, you know, sometimes a, a, on a recruiting trip, a, a coach can kind of tell a recruit, you know, you're going to come in and start and this and that and this and that. And then, you know, when they show up on campus, maybe that's not the truth exactly. Yeah, we, but, yeah, so we talked about that. Um, he talked about how amazing it would be to play for a guy who isn't far removed from the game and, you know, dominate at the D1 level as a pitcher, hitter, and shortstop. You know, you went to pro ball, you went through injuries, you've seen it all. You know, I bet he'll be a true players coach. He said, if uh, he said, I'd, I'd lace him up for him any day if he needs an out of shape four year old that's slow. So, w- what a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he called you such a high character stand up guy. I know he'll be successful at Lindenwood as a shortstop, uh, as sure handed as you can get. If, if the ball is hit to him, it's an out. Super intelligent, so, so smooth, smooth as they come. Such a great shortstop that he can play D1 baseball with such a high level with no cup. Um, says all you need to know about his shortstop play. Um, <clears throat> everything you want in a shortstop, he checks every box um, as a hitter. Undersized coming up, but he could always hit, had great back control, never struck out. If PJ struck out, I knew I was in trouble <laughs> coming up next. Uh, he grew up into the game and um, later developed his power at, um, at Carbondale was great bringing info back to the dugout after an at-bat. So, like, you know, if you saw something, you were always very sharp about, hey, he's got this, look for this, it's sinking, it's running, it's doing this. Uh, I learned early on what matters most in the Finnegan family is winning. So I loved that quote. As a pitcher, solid when we were younger, um, but I didn't see, you know, this dominance coming later on. So it was really cool to see, like, wow, when it happened. he basically said, oh, shit, he's really good now when you were a senior. And I remember, man, I remember watching you. I got a little bit of varsity time as a sophomore, and you were just absolutely dealing as a senior. We'll, we'll get there, but yeah. that was really cool to see. Um, I really respect what he did at SIUC uh, to have success as a pitcher, hitter, and as the most important position on the field, you know, shortstop. So impressive. You know, normally something has to give unless you're PJ. So just so much, so impressive, so much respect. If he stays healthy with the success he was having to me, I think he would have made it to the show or was for sure on that path. He's where he belongs uh, as a college coach. He's good at everything. He'll whoop your ass at any sport. Don't let him fool you. So he also said, don't let him fool you. Dusty's awesome. Yes. Yeah. What a guy, man. <laughs> like I said, those feelings are so mutual. Uh, yeah. And I know he loves telling that cup story. That's like his favorite thing in the world. Cause he would, that was like a daily thing for him. He's like, he I, I can't, I can't believe you're not wearing a cup like Dusty. 
I have complete faith in my feet and hands. And if I need one, then I, I need to go to the outfield. Okay. And he would be like, I'm wearing one every day because I don't have that faith. And I go, well, there, there's the difference, right? Like, so, I, yeah. I, We're I already here. Faith. Yeah. Let's keep talking yeah. about it. So from an early age, just never, never uh, come. Like at, at a younger age. Yes. Uh, and especially with like catching, obviously that's insanity. Yeah. But like once I got to be like 10 or 11, if I wasn't, probably even younger than that if i wasn't catching like i'm good man i I, that's great i have faith in my hands and feet and and i just it was always a thing where i was just like kind of felt uncomfortable and it wasn't really a thing and yeah i can't wrap my head around is that i don't it i think it's more commonplace than what you would think okay Uh, that's what i was asking yeah but I, i i you know, he was always one that like he was befuddled by it. Like he was I, like, I can't, I can't do this. Like I always have it, and I would never have it. And it would like almost a day to day basis. Be like, you got a cup in? Like, no, you know that I don't. Like I, I know you're just so giving funny. me a hard time. So. I so I, I came up as a pretty uh, mediocre shortstop, and um, yeah. When I so I, I, I switched to the outfield once I got to college, and I remember I dropped my cup maybe after my freshman or sophomore year in college. And I remember feeling a little exposed at first, like, Oh, yeah. okay. And I'm in right field or center fields. And you're, <laughs> you're taking rockets at shortstop at the highest level. And I just can't yeah. even imagine, dude, that's awesome. I love that yeah. you had the confidence in your hands that you had the hands to do that. That's just yeah. Yeah. crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, I think a little bit of that was just, you know, going back to what some people have said already is, I mean, I was so little and I didn't have a great arm that I had to rely on being really good with my feet and my hands oh, yeah, to cool. play shortstop. Like I, mm-hmm. I, that was how I could play there and stick there. Right. And yeah. so I took a lot of ground balls and I, I was probably way more aggressive than other kids just because I knew I had to, if I was going to stick there. Oh, cool. So. I like that. Okay. I've got a, I've got a J.R. Kai's clip. I want to play on your, on your baseball IQ here. And uh, then some quotes. Man, lo- love right. JR. Ready? Yeah. All right. I mean, PJ as a, as a as a baseball player in general. Um, again, he was he was always probably the sharpest baseball mind out there. Um, Everyone says that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he had the baseball IQ from a from a very early age. Right. I mean, if you just stick with the mental part, like he was built as a shortstop. Right. He he knew always where to be, always what to do. Um, I mean, he, he, he lived and breathed it. I mean, I, I remember. Yeah, cool. Uh, now I'm going to get to some JR quotes here. Uh, we started playing together at 11 or 12, all the way till we were 18 as a statesman. Uh, we made it work for, uh, with, with 10 for a long time. Like you, like you said, a pretty small roster. We, we yeah, wanted guys yeah. to play. Uh, was so fun uh, being from this relatively small town and going around the country and beating these big-time teams. As a shortstop, uh, as a baseball player in general, was probably, I just said it, the sharpest mind on the field, baseball IQ. PJ was such a fan of the game. He knew every statistic, every guy on the roster, the little things. Like, he knew the back of baseball cards, basically. Uh, PJ was the best fundamental player I ever plays w- played with. Great hands, great arm, uh, great baseball IQ, great competitor. Wanted to win. Uh, but he was good about it. He was good to his teammates. He never harped on his teammates in a way that was inappropriate. On pitching, he figured it out big time later in high school. He threw hard, had great command, great movement. It was almost unfair facing him in school ball because all summer you would you know learn each other's weaknesses and how to pitch each other. 
So then you go back to school ball and just be dice them up. Like, okay, I know how to get JR out. I'm going to bust them in. And <laughs> Yeah. I've got one real quick from that is. Yeah. We were in the city series as seniors and Kenny Gann came out with a base open. He's like, we're not pitching to this guy. And it was JR. And I was like, bullshit, we're not. Like, we're, we're going to get we're gonna get this guy. And he's like, no, I don't want you to do it. Like, you can get the next guy out. And I was like, I can get this guy out. And he comes yeah. back, he's like, I don't want you to do it. Uh, I'm doing and, it. <laughs> and I did it. And I can't remember what happened. I think we did get him out. But I just remember getting back in the dugout, and he was, like, shaking his head, like, okay, man. Like, all right. Yeah. And it was JR. But I just remember, like, exactly what you're talking about. I was like, yeah. yeah. Like, I've seen this I guy have – 500 at bats like i know him better than in anybody else on their roster why the heck wouldn't i want to try to go get him so how did you get him out do you remember i i just remember that that with jr you could speed him up every now and again okay but he was a very 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 consistent hitter Mm -hmm. like you you almost had to like make him uncomfortable to then try to get him out somewhere else right like yeah get him out somewhere else, get him to chase something down. Because if you made a mistake in the middle of the zone, he's going to hammer it. Yeah. Always, always, always a high level hitter. Always yeah. I, I have a ton of respect for Jr. He was an absolute stud at baseball. Uh, yes. His work ethic was legendary as well. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. PJ knew exactly how to pitch people. He was smarter than everyone else. He was the guy who would read scouting reports, be prepared ETC. And then a little later on, on, um, I've got a clip on you being the NBC player of the year. I'm going to hold that. Uh, just that yeah. he could do all of them so well and contribute was amazing. Lots of, lots of guys can do a little each, but he was the one I could saw who could, who could do them both so well. Talking about pitching, shortstop, hitting all that. Uh, he was never cocky. His play spoke for his, for itself. He didn't run his mouth. He worked hard. What a great guy! You hope he gets everything that's coming to him in life. Love that he's still in the game at a high level. I think the sky is the limit for him in coaching. I think he will have unlimited opportunities to advance in baseball. Such a great guy, JR Kais. Yeah, and yeah. goes back to what I said earlier, man. Such a great group of people. Yeah. Uh, on, on top of being like really, really, really good baseball players, and yeah. uh, you know, all all of that is mutual, man. All of it is mutual, and you know, I think that one thing that that group was kind of, you know, we were we were all baseball guys. Yeah, we love to watch games. We love the you know we were ate up by it and I continue to be like that. And I I think that that's one thing that's kind of missing from today's baseball is that, you know, it was in summertime. Like you wanted to watch the Cardinal game. You wanted to watch the Braves. You wanted to watch the Cubs. Like I'm a Cardinal fan, but I will watch any baseball that's on TV still to this day, because you're going to see something you've never seen before that's guaranteed to happen in a baseball game. And then you're going to learn something. So I, 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 that is true. I am very much ate up by it. Yeah. uh, I wish more people were like that, I guess. That's really cool, man. You know, your, your dad talked to me a little bit about, I think this is interesting. And it's cool that you guys stayed together for so long, you know, because yeah. he talked about now you being, a, you know, a head coach and having to do recruiting that sometimes you have a hard time finding players during the summer because they change teams so much. You know, they're on this travel team this year or even for a week, and then they join another team and another team. So there's yeah. not, they're not building that camaraderie, that brotherhood that you guys built. Absolutely. I mean, we we were together forever. And really, the only reason we lost people was because of maybe like financial reasons or mm-hmm. because we did travel so much or like people yeah. that moved away. Right. Like yeah. everybody wanted to come back. And that was a given. And it was it didn't matter, man. We, we just we enjoyed being around each other so much. We enjoyed being, 
you know, going to war together. Like, it, yeah. it's, you know, it's one of those things you wish you could go back and do because it was so much fun. Yeah. What, are, what are, are there any memories that stand out? Any, like, wins or tournaments or anything like that you want to, like, touch on? I, I got some written here. You know, 16 and under, you guys won the World Series. 17 and under, Final Four. Yeah. 18 and under, runner-up at the USSA. Some, yeah. some things like that. I mean, that's that's the crazy part to think about, you know, how good that team is. The team finishes in the top four in every World Series that we ever played in. Nuts. Yeah. And I'm talking, you know, you're losing to East Cobb. You're losing yeah. to the Indiana Bulls. You're losing yeah. to, you know, West Covina Dukes and Texas. Like, you're not losing to a team from anywhere close to where we were from. No. And, uh, you know, just and, – and it was with 10 guys. And I think that that's probably the cool memories. Like, yeah, man, like you, you were coming off your position and playing and pitching. And yes. when it wasn't your turn, you went back to your position. Like, and it just, there was only like two guys on that team that didn't pitch. Yeah. And that's mind blowing. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, there, I think the ones, the wins that we always talk about are like when we won the state tournament and, you know, beat the Mount Greenwood Brewers, which were like our rival uh, mm-hmm. up in Chicago. And, you know, we don't just beat them. Like we beat, the the two years in a row we beat them we beat Carmen Pignatello who's a second round pick mm-hmm. and we beat Chris Honnell who's like the 14th overall pick yeah remember that name like we're, we're we're not beating guys that like you never heard of we're beating like Dogs. the best best pitcher in Chicago yeah we just went up there and whipped him on his own turf like things like that yeah and, and those are things I remember just you know just going and you know, winning those types of games where you're just yeah. like, hey, like this is this is big boy baseball and, and we're we're excelling at this. You guys are showing up expecting to win these tournaments. Is that accurate? 100%. And that's that there was nobody that we ever went up against where it was like, oh man. Yeah. Now there were some times where we got into some things like we're like, yeah, these guys are better than us. But <laughs> it was just so many yeah. times. I mean, yeah. I mean, we got into a game one time in the 16U World Series where NorCal was just putting it on us. And that's one of the like best programs in the country. And, mm-hmm. Their coach comes over and says, hey, like, I had planned to throw these guys. Like, I- I'm going to throw them if that's okay. And, you know, we're like, yeah, whatever. And the first guy that they run out of, you know, 16 years old, the first guy they run out, it's like 90-93, it's Chad Cordero. <laughs> They're like, closing the big leagues. And you're like, yeah. oh, man, like, we don't have one of those, right? Like, it, we were always playing yeah. really good teams. And yeah. uh, you, you, we held our own, more than held our own and that that was a big part of like just the mentality of the group, but then also, you know, how together we were. Yeah. What, what did this, what did this team mean to your development as a player, man? Like I just have to imagine it's so important. For sure. I think it all, it taught us like the value of winning and, yeah. and, and, you know, we all worked really hard. We, we all were very competitive. There was no, there was never any like, man, I'm timid. There was none of that. Right. Yeah. And I think that if you go and you look at all of those guys, you know, post college or, you know, post high school or even in their high school programs, like that success followed them. Like, yeah. And that's that I think was probably the biggest thing is you're just building characteristics that, that ended up showing up in success, no matter if it was baseball or other things. As well. I love that. Who, um, do you know do you have any idea of the history on who named the statesman were there any other names thought of or anything like that, that for sure out? so if you, if you go back at that time uh this is when hewlett's had the hitting center that was located yeah. next to the lincoln cab uh yeah. right there so we used to go hit on the yep. weekends uh like in the winter time and uh it was about the same time that the springfield capitals 
yes. uh, became a Frontier League team. Yep, independent. So what we what we actually got was we got the list of names that they they uh, were going to use. So it was like three hundred some names, and during those practices, we would just sit and narrow it down. And so there was like four or five names, and then so that group, that original group of thirteen year olds, so t- Tug Hewlett and really? myself and some of Bo Gum really just use that list and narrow it down to the statesman. And that's, wow. that's what, how, how it was eventually named and then passed on. That's amazing. Is, uh, w- can you think of any names that were close? Were, were there any like top three to get down to that or anything Man, like that? You know, I don't really remember. Uh, it was kind of one of those things that like, it was like a lightning rod moment where it's like, yeah, like Man, this, this sounds it. good. Right. This it. Is yeah. it. And we were proud of the fact that we wanted to be Springfield too. Yeah. Yeah. So you said, is it still going in some capacity or? It was for a while and I I don't believe that it is anymore. Uh, You know, that's something you'd have to ask my dad for a long time. He was, he was really good about passing that down to people he trusts. And, uh, you know, that name carried, name carried a lot of weight and got them in some tournaments and some other things. And, uh, you know, he, he's very proud of that. Uh, Used it for my brother's teams and everything else. Yeah. Your younger brother, Mikey, who played at yes. uh, Carbondale for a few years and then Kentucky Wesleyan, is that correct? Yes. Strong yes. player. Very good well. player. Very strong uh, player. Good guy. Freak freak athlete, switch hitter. He, he, he can yeah. do it all. Yeah, so. absolutely. I play- there's a there's a picture of, of us, actually, me and Mikey, when I'm we're playing each other. I'm at Murray State. He's at Carbondale. Okay. And I'm at second okay. base, and I've, I've got it somewhere. I'll send it to you, but it's cool. And That'd be cool. Yeah, I always, I, I always say what's up to Mikey when I see him around. Shout out to Mikey. Great yes. dude. Um, yeah. Man, the statesman, cool man. So, if if there's anything else you want to drop about the statesman, I think it's time to move on to. to man, to there there really future. isn't just because like it, it was just such an unbelievable time. We just won so many games and so so, so many good people and, yeah. and like I said, there's so many characteristics of them showing up after the fact. But uh, yeah, it was it was really really a good time. Man, Springfield statesman. So, Lane Fair, this is where you really kind of become the man eventually and uh so oh you know we, we skipped this and i think it's kind of interesting because this uh that summer before high school is when you you had that bad ankle break right yeah yeah and that, um, and that, and that dude kind of hits you with a, a dirty slide yeah we're playing east Cobb in the semifinals of the Cobble world series and mm-hmm. i'm going to cover second base on a uh on a steal attempt and it's a high throw and i kind of back up a couple steps jump and when I come down, I kind of come down with my right leg exposed. Yeah. And a guy just plows right into my right leg and breaks my ankle on both sides. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, a pretty dirty play. Um, yeah. I was at least five feet behind the bag. I was really nowhere close. And it, was, it wasn't a double play. Yeah. Um, and Your at dad the time, said he went nuts. Yeah. And almost everybody did. That was the cool part is like everybody had my back. And, uh, Hell yeah. you know, it didn't really hurt that bad. Um, but just like for the first time in my life, I was like, I, I can't walk. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, you know, they had paramedics, they had all these things there on side for the tournament and the paramedic could tell right away. Cause it was swelling pretty quickly. And he's like, I, I think you need to go to the hospital. I ended up going to the hospital and then watching, the you know, what ended up being, there ended up being three teams left. We ended up losing the next day, but having to sit on the bench and a cast and yeah, and drive back home and, start school like less than a week later my you know start right. high school on crutches and yeah 
but you're being all, all of like maybe five foot tall and 105 <laughs> pounds or whatever started high school on crutches so. but your your dad kind of you know made it sound like this injury it, it was it was difficult <laughs> to, to get over like you probably weren't fully sure. over it until maybe the spring for and sure that it, yeah it, it, it kind of influenced what you, you, you so you couldn't you were kind of on the fence on whether or not you wanted to play football or golf in the falls, but your dad said this kind of yep. made your choice for you. Like football's out. hundred percent. And yeah, then it was still play. hard basketball too, getting around. Yeah. Around. I, I was not, not 100% healthy, even when basketball started. And yeah. uh, it was kind of an interesting thing because, you know, I had always been pretty good on the basketball floor and then yeah. start your freshman year. I was tiny. Yeah. Uh, I was coming off injury. And I wasn't starting. Uh, I was playing like kind of in between, you know, um, yeah. coming off the bench. And I'll never forget one of my you know, best friends from high school, Brandy Granderson, legend yeah. football player as well, legend. man. One of the best athletes and just good dudes. We were struggling in a game, like maybe second or third game of the year. He's very quiet. VG is very quiet, but he, he was my guy. Like me and him played together forever. And, uh, he just going to the coach and being like, can, can you put PJ in? Like, we, we need to get this rolling. Yeah. And like, it helped settle him. And then we all kind of got settled. And then after that, I started playing a lot and yeah. uh, we started winning again. And, and it was just interesting because, you know, I look back on that. I was like, I was so little, but I also wasn't ready. Yeah. Um, but that, that after that, it took, it took until like that, that end of my freshman year of high school to really get over that injury, yeah. get back to where I felt like I was able to move and run and do some other things. And, you know, it was finally like that first summer with the States. And then after our 15, you know, or after our freshman year where it was kind of back where it needed to be. Yeah. And then oh. were you, were you starting as a freshman on varsity or had the baseball Oh, absolutely life? not. Yeah, absolutely no. not. I was on okay. the JV. I never even sniffed the varsity. Okay. Uh, nothing. Played JV, pitched quite a bit. That was probably the most I had pitched up until that point uh, okay. because just we didn't have anybody else. Uh, but just played played uh, JV, and that was it. Yeah, okay. And then so you didn't play anything that, that fall, right, because your ankle? Or did, did not. You I was not healthy until, yeah, yeah. like, uh, October of that year. So, yeah. okay. And so then the next year you decided to play golf, right? Yeah, I decided to play golf. Um, yeah. You know, had kicked around the idea of going to play football, but uh, – yeah you know, with the injury the year before missing a year and then, uh, you know, ended up making one of the best decisions, man. I absolutely yeah. love golf. Yeah. Um, you know, my game got better, but also I love playing for Sheila O'Brien, who I still talk to every now and again when I see at the golf course. Uh, awesome. And we had a good little team, man. Like, I don't even know if they have a team anymore. Right. But yeah. we, we had a, we had a group of merry band of misfits that ended up being <laughs> really good. So. Okay. So then sophomore year, from what I understand, Kenny Gann said that was when you started starting, and that was kind of like the ball was rolling for you, yeah? Yeah, um, but once again, like going back to like the same thing about being so little is, is, is being on sophomore, I, I played second base. Okay. I wasn't big enough to play shortstop, and wow. Josh Cottrell, a good player from Lincoln Land, was yep. there. Uh, they had a really – we had a really veteran club, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, those guys really took me under my wing. I'm, I'm very fortunate for that. You know, Josh and Randy, Randy Offer, you know, a whole mess of guys. And they had a really good team that I kind of just picked up with. And, uh, you know, a really good group of guys that I, I'm still friends with to this day. That's awesome. I've got uh, I've got some Kenny Gann quotes for my – ready? Yes. Love talking to this guy. The Mitt Mender, legend. Yes, yeah. Love this guy, man. This guy is an absolute 
genius when it comes to fixing gloves. If you have a, if you got he a is. problem with your glove or you need to bring your baby back to a full glory, the call the yes. mitt mender. Kenny yes. Gann. All right, man. Lucky enough to have PJ, you know, for four years. Uh, PJ was the cream of the crop. Another coach on the field. A player that showed very little emotion, was very even keeled. Greg, Greg did a great job with PJ and Mikey. Uh, so I asked him kind of about your junior year because you didn't pitch a lot innings wise. And then your yeah. senior year had the, you know, destroyed the whole league. But he said you, For sure. you, he, he tried to give as many kids as possible an opportunity to pitch. And you guys had a ton of talent basically your, your, your junior year. And PJ ended up being a guy for me that could do whatever I needed, whether it was come in and get an out or seven innings. He just, he was willing to do it. So solid up the hole in the middle, always directing traffic, a coach on the field. He said he didn't have to do anything because you were just always, you know, you're here, you're here, moving here, you're sliding over here, this is what's up. He goes, we didn't have to do anything. So uh, an amazing role model for my two kids. My boy Blake wanted to be just like PJ. Like I said, there's tons of guys that have reached out to me and said the same thing. Blake Gann played at Lincoln Land, good ball player. Uh, he had trouble keeping weight on, but once he finally got a little bigger, you really saw his bat speed and velocity take off. Very rarely struck out, could hit it the other way. Uh, really understood the game. His dad prepped him for every situation. Rarely walked people, always ahead in the count, worked fairly fast. Always controlled the game. That stood out. Nothing uh, nothing happens until he said it happened. Uh, PJ passed all the, eye, all the eye tests, kept composure in tough situations, guided teammates, encouraged them in a positive way. I'm not surprised all the success he's had. Refused to lose. Would do whatever it took to get the job done. When your best player says he wants the ball, you give it to him. Uh, PJ always wanted the ball. I think Lindenwood got their guy. He's loyal, big on academics. They got really lucky. PJ was good at anything he put his mind to. Number one player I ever coached. Uh, his dad handed him to me, and my job was just to not screw him up. So, love talking yeah. to Mitmander, Kenny Gann. I know. I, I haven't talked to him in forever. Um, yeah. And his boys, Blake and AJ, were always around, man. Love yeah. having those guys around. Yep. Um, and, and like I said, we had a we had a nice cast of characters there. Yeah. Um, was was a interesting time. And he he kind of said it about the pitching stuff. I, I didn't really pitch much until I was a senior. Yeah. A lot of that just had to do with the physicality part. Yeah. Uh, we had growing. better guys. Like I, I wasn't that good. Uh, I was just a strike thrower. So a lot of the games that I threw up until that point were like, you know, your Saturday games, maybe the second game of a doubleheader type of thing. Like I didn't I didn't throw important games. Right. Uh, just because. I threw perfect hitting speed. My stuff wasn't great, and it was just strikes. Yeah. yeah. That was the best part about it. And this was really kind of the last time Landfear was – I mean, I don't want to be, like, negative, but good at baseball. I mean, they've yeah. had a rough – it's been rough since you left, man, pretty much. Yeah, but, um, um, Jim Rupert actually said that to me. You know, we were, we were talking about this. He did the podcast over COVID about, like, the best players and, and yeah. CSA history, and he's like, yeah, we mentioned you. You should go back and listen to it. It's like – I didn't know that the only time that Lanfair's ever won the CSA, it was 2001. It's like crazy. I couldn't tell you that either. Um, yeah. and, but I do know that, uh, that was a, that was a great year. And oh, yeah. man, there was, there was some building block things that happened prior to that. But, uh, that year was just like, it was almost like a spinoff of the Dairy Queen type stuff. Who who are so. some of the, some of the dudes, dudes on that, on that team that, that stood out to you? I mean, Scott Beach is my best friend. He's been my best friend since we were little kids. And mm-hmm. uh, that was – he and I were probably the two guys that took the reins of that program at that point in time. Yep. You know, Ryan Beach as well. Uh, Ryan Beach has always kind of been 
one of those guys that's behind the scenes, but always, always played a big role. Chris Workman is a really good player. Yeah. Marshall like Pressler. Uh, MP, Matt Marshall. Mark, Matt Dahlkamp came on late Dolly. and played a huge role. Scobble, Danny Madiri. There, there was just yeah. there was a lot of good North End Fairview kids at that point in time, which is very rare now. And, man, we uh, we had some really good pitching. We had timely hitting. And we, we just did a lot of things right that obviously yeah. ended up showing up. Did uh, how did Kevin Bramlett's career end up going? So Kevin Bramlett played a little bit, but yeah. just didn't have the love for it. Yeah. as he got older and ended yeah. up not playing. So it's uh, it's crazy to see that he's the general giant man. I just saw him at our reunion and uh, pick right back up where we left yeah. off, man. Uh, sharing some good stories and everything else, but uh, yeah, it, it was you know those yeah. other guys that I was talking about are really the ones that drove the drove the bus with that group. Yeah. I've got uh, – speaking of Danny Badiri, <clears throat> I've got some quotes from him. I have a lot, ton of respect for this guy. I grew up playing against him. He's a tough kid, great baseball yeah. player, good guy. Yeah. You know, I, I had a good career at Landfair and SCI and was the head coach at Landfair for four years. I wanted to get an underclassman's perspective as, as you yeah. – like, as like a leader. And uh, he said, obviously, was our best player, you know, the best player on the field. Kind of a quiet leader his junior year, but his senior year really found his voice and was indeed, you know, that guy. Uh, as a shortstop, freak athlete, could go get anything, knew the game. Unreal watching him from center field. Uh, his routes were just crisp and perfect. As a hitter his senior year, you knew he was going to hit, get a hit basically every time up. He hit close to 600 for most of the year, and he, were you, you, got, you had a little six spell where you kind of knocked it down a little bit. Is that yes. accurate? Yeah, that's um, – that's like one of those things you kind of forget or want to forget is that yeah. I went on a recruiting trip during the city series to Illinois state okay. as a Sunday to Monday. And I came back and I ended up going to the hospital really uh, Monday night. And I had pneumonia um, and like literally begged the doctor, like, please let me play. And he's like, absolutely not. So I came up with this thing with him. Like, Hey, I play Tuesday and Thursday and then I will not play over the weekend. And he was like, okay, you can do that. But, like, if you don't feel very good, like, you need to take it easy. And yeah. it was, like, during one of those weeks where, like, I literally had to go home because I had an allergic reaction to the medication I was on. Man. I like, couldn't even stand up straight, but never missed any of those games. Uh, and remember, remember a game yeah. against uh, Springfield High, like, I'm getting loose in the bullpen prior to the game, getting ready to pitch. Matt Dahlkamp's getting loose on the other mound and we're going to make a determination if I'm well enough to go yeah. pitch. And I end up throwing a complete game and I'm laying down in the dugout in between innings. That's... <laughs> I get like just, and, and during that time, like I was hitting, but like it literally like it, I wasn't doing anything worthwhile. Right. And just went through, and to be honest, facing some really good guys during that time that got me out, man, Joey Hemstock and, Brad Selinger and some, some guys that knew how to, knew how to get it done. So sure. I, I yeah. credit to them as well. But like, yeah, it was, it was one of those things you look back on. If you weren't an 18 year old kid, you wouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> That's so funny that you have that perspective. Cause I have like a different memory in my head. I, I think I remember being at some of those city games, maybe my memory's off and it was a different yeah. game, but I remember just being like seeing you on the mound and just absolutely dealing and throwing fuzz. And then like, I, Maybe it was a game later. You were like doing some Spider-Man shit at shortstop, and 
knocking <laughs> balls in the gap. And I was like, PJ is incredible. I was like, how yeah. is he doing this? Like, yeah, just dominating at every facet of the game. Just like cleaning up the CSA. We're not, we're not there yet. I guess I'm a little ahead of myself, but yeah, yeah. so crazy, man. Um, as a pitcher, it was pretty boring playing behind him because he struck out. We're still on Danny Madiri quotes. Yeah. As a pitcher, it was pretty boring playing behind him because he struck out every other batter, it seemed like. We knew he was going to get the win. Uh, PJ led by example. A classic first one there, last one to leave. Had a very professional professional approach, even in high school. As a teammate, well-liked, a guy you wanted on your team. If PJ was on the field, good things were going to happen. Uh, and they talked about how you won three city titles as a senior, which is pretty pretty incredible as well. Yeah. Oh, and here we go. I've got a Rupert quote. Man, I love Jim Rupert. Seriously. Yes. yes. Great, great stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, here we go. It, it does go, go a little ahead talking about you as an MVC player, but I feel like it fits here as he's like a high school guy. So here we go. An unbelievable mentality for sports. A really smart kid and a great, great aptitude for the game. Just a tremendous, tremendously intelligent. And yeah. when his body caught up to his arm and his mind, he became the Missouri Valley Conference Baseball Player of the Year because yeah. he always had a hose and he always had a, a, a great mental ability to play the game. But he, right. he was just a little guy. I, I, yeah. Can you, can you hear those okay? Yeah, I can hear those. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that was always a common theme, right? Just catching up to everybody else. And, yeah. You know, I, that's what I said. I didn't pitch much until I was 18 years old just because I didn't throw hard, just through strikes and nothing else. And then, yeah, like kind of like what he said, I had grown like five inches from a junior to senior year. And it was like, instead of throwing, you know, five inches? In, oh yeah. I and so it's been like seven, you know, in the seventies, like, wow. now it's like in the eighties, upper eighties. Yeah. And, and yeah, you were some of that stuff starting to come around and it's like, all right, well, maybe this is something I can do more often. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, Mittmender, uh, Kenny Gann told me you hit about 290 as a sophomore, and yeah. then you hit about 390, which was good for seventh in the CS8 as a junior, and then about 490 as a senior. So, 100 point jump every year here. Really cool to see big jumps like that. Yeah, and same kind of thing. Like, it's a, it's a really just like strength and bat speed yeah. coming together. Um, and, and that's really like all I attested to. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, it, the physicality plays such a role in the game that it really was something. And I felt like maybe even me, midway through my junior year that things started to kind of figure out and kind of started to hit my stride with that. Uh, yeah. And like I said, around a bunch of really good people that that helped Kenny Gann and Dennis Worth was helping out Lanfair at that time. And, Dennis Worth. And, and, and yeah. always, you know, there were other people as well. And then obviously always having my dad and other people to kind of fall back on. It was uh, – you know, that was a big reason why. Now, were so, you were you hitting the weights at all, or were you just growing, just naturally? That's the crazy part about it. I was just growing. Um, yeah. I was so busy with everything that we did with the Statesman in the summer yeah. and, and golf, basketball, and baseball. Yeah. I didn't touch a weight until I was a freshman in college. Really? I, I never wow. did anything on that side of it until I was a freshman. That's yeah. crazy. How, yes. How big is, is Greg? How, how big is your dad? My dad's probably six foot, six one, probably two, 210, 220. What what did you end up getting to at your peak as a player? So I was about six foot, about 200, uh, my second year of pro ball. That's as big as I ever got. Um, Yeah. But like going in, you know, going into freshman year of college, I was 
probably six foot, 130, 140. That is, uh, I can't believe the, that, dude. The growth spurt goes, and then I just don't get any bigger. And then once I get to college, it's like, yeah. here, we need to put some weight on. And that, like I said, is a, it's an overwhelming theme of like everybody develops differently and yeah. at different times. And yep. until I started to really, you know, grow and, and, catch up with everybody uh awesome. there were some there were some growing pains with it your uh, dad said that finnegan men have uh big asses and big legs and it's good good right. for you guys in sports yeah that's right that's right <laughs> yes yes uh yes jason canadler said in the last podcast and i loved it it was like you know kids or young athletes are like popcorn some of them just need a little more time to pop so you just i'm gonna use that again you needed some more time to pop Oh, you eventually did, buddy. That's crazy. No doubt. I mean, I remember yeah. being like a 15 and 16 year old kid. Like, you know, everybody's going through puberty about that time. And I'm playing basketball wearing undershirts so people can't tell that I got no hair <laughs> under my arms, right? And you're like, this is a, this is a real thing. Dude. So. That's perfect. All right, PJ, I'm going to cut it here and then I'm going to okay. call you right back, okay? All right. Can you All give right. me like two minutes? I'm going to run to the restroom. Absolutely. I'll do the All same right. thing. All right, buddy. All right. See you. All right, we're, you got me again. We're back, buddy. We took a short <laughs> restroom break here. We're going to rock for another hour uh, as part one or part two, whatever you want to call this. We've still got a lot of story left here, buddy. So and I'm pumped. This is going exactly how life. I thought it was going to go. <laughs> You're awesome, dude. For our first conversation, we're getting along great. So fun, man. Uh, all right, before I want to get into more of your high school baseball stuff, let's, uh, <clears throat> I'd love to get into so, – uh, What's what's gets getting some of your basketball and golf stuff? You ended up playing with you know Andre Iguodala, who went on to have you know is still playing in the in the league, an illustrious yeah. NBA career, really cool guy. And Rich McBride, who went on to play at U of I. How was it playing with some of those studs at at Lanefair and some of those other dudes you played with? I mean, Lanefair is known for being absolute dogs at basketball. For sure, so much fun. I mean, I had grown up with those guys. Not so much Rich, but. Uh, you know, Montez Slater, Marquise Warfield, yeah. Brandy Granderson, like all of those guys, man, we, we, you know, since I moved schools, I've grown up with those guys. And uh, it, it was really interesting because of the same like competitiveness and like mentality that, that we all had on the baseball field. Like mm-hmm. those guys shared the same thing on the basketball court. And I think that's what made that group special was just, Man, they love to compete. Yeah. Coach Coach Patton used to kick us out of the, the gym every day. Yeah. And we used to do crazy things where we we'd be playing horse uh for literally hours after practice was over with. And yeah. and just you know, you name it. Uh so much fun, obviously, to play with guys of that caliber. Yeah. It's just it's just different, right? Yeah. Um and then everywhere we played, it didn't matter because of them was a packed house, right? Yeah. It, it, we got everybody's best shot. Yeah. And I, some of my best memories are, are that, right? You're going into Chatham and some of those other places. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's packed to the gills and everyone's dogging you and everything else. And you're looking around during layup lines and, man, the boys got that look in their eyes. Yeah. It's about to be on. And yeah. There, there's just nothing like that. Who are some nothing of your favorite dudes to compete against in basketball from the area? You remember any names? Man from the area it was kind of different because the area at that point in time was was kind of a uh, not like the city was pretty good but it wasn't great but like lincoln was really good right greg alexander who's now the assistant to his dad yeah. brian cook was there Cookie. sean bunch ended up going up there um you, you know they had dudes right so that sure. was a thing 
Um, Southeast was always our rival. We always had great, you know, great games with them. Odell Burns, who kind of went back and forth between Lanfair and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there were some guys like that. Um, and then we always had – we always went non-conference and played all the Peoria schools. Oh yeah. So going to Manuel, going to Richwoods, going yep. to Woodruff, you know, playing some of those games, our big rival back then, we had two of them was Mount Zion. Mount Zion was ridiculous. Um, yeah. You know, they had four or five division one players uh, had played together since they were in, you know, preschool. Right. And then Chicago Westinghouse is who they ended up losing to the year after I left in the state championship. But we had, we had played them like five times up until that point and all the games were unbelievable. So there was just, it was just a fun group to be a part of because yeah. we, we got to do a lot of cool things and we were really good. Had, had Andre Iguodala hit his stride yet or was he still kind of developing at that point? So that, that was my senior year was when he like, and I'll never forget, like he came off the bench, uh, you know, he, he came off the bench. Um, is he one year younger than you? He's one year younger than me. He yeah, came off okay. the bench, yeah. played JV, came off the bench for the varsity, played quite a bit down the stretch, but wasn't really like Rich was our leading scorer. And yeah. Rich was a freshman, right? Yeah. He was a guy, I'll never forget, coming back and, and, you know, playing some pickup basketball with those guys before my senior year, like in the summertime. And it was like Andre had just kind of like gotten more coordinated. Yeah. And I remember some of those pickup games because you got some of the guys come back from college, you got some of the other things, and all of a sudden you're like looking around with Juice McGuire and some some you know Juice. LT, you know Lawrence Thomas, and like guys, like this is going to be different. This is going <laughs> yes. to be real different. Like we we've got some dudes here. Like I, I, and and it ended up being I think we lost two games that year, and we probably shouldn't have watched lost either one of those. I remember watching uh Iggy when he like really hit his when he got when he hit his growth spurt and his athleticism kind of like exploded yeah Yeah. I it just looked like a grown man playing against children and I I I swear he could have grabbed a dollar off the top of the backboard I mean it was springs that were just no doubt it it didn't make any sense to watch it looked ridiculous I mean really fun to get to see seeing him in high school really cool and it it was it was fun to play with him he's a he's a character yeah. Uh, but an awesome person. His brother, yeah. Frank's awesome. Family's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, those guys compete and obviously they yeah. got where they got to because of that. And it's just a different yeah. mindset. And uh, man, it was, it was fun to be on the floor with them. I I, uh, I came up playing basketball with Rich McBride. I know him pretty well. Yeah, I, yeah. You, you couldn't have told me he wasn't going to the league when he was in eighth grade. I mean, he was thunder dunking and shooting threes and crossing people crazy. And yeah, but you know, he never yes. got any taller than six three, and you know, he had a nice For career sure. at U of I. But it, it goes to show like how talented the guys are in the NBA. If guys like Rich McBride can't even sniff that, you know. Yeah, he crazy. was a grown man in eighth grade, and that's he was what, he was our, yeah. he was our leading scorer as a freshman in high school, yeah. and yep. it was he was just different. He could, his yeah. skill level was yeah. ridiculous to go along with the size, and uh, you know it's it's that team is fun, and then obviously the next year they go on to be runners up in the state championship. So. Yeah, tell me about golf. Tell me about golf. Well, golf was just something I did for fun. You know, Dad yeah. always brought me along, and yeah. uh, your dad's a hell of a golfer unbelievable i mean I'm, yeah. i can i think i've beat him maybe once or twice ever still to this day when was the first uh, time you beat him man i i don't don't even know that i could put a a date on that and yeah. uh i mean there there are numerous times when he's done just crazy things i mean like three or four years ago we we're playing and he's him and han whether or not he was even gonna play yeah his neck was bothering him 
this is you know this is three or four years ago he's in his 60s yeah we go out and play the rail he birdies three of the first four holes and shoots 65 i shoot <laughs> 70 and lose by five strokes like it's just a different level right so golf is yep. like something that we we you know <clears throat> my brother and i and him that's a, it's a good bonding thing that we do still to this day yeah um and, and you know, just did it as a sophomore in high school, uh, you know, because I love the game, thought it'd be a good kind of refresher, and then went out there, and it was a ton of fun. Yeah. Good group of guys. Um, Coach O'Brien was fantastic. Um, and I just enjoyed doing it, and, and it was a little bit of a breather, right? A little bit yeah. different way to compete. Sure. Um, got to know some good people, and, uh, you know, that's one of the best high school sports. You get to play for free every day. You get to get out of school yeah. all the time early or, or not at all. And, uh, you know, you get to play some really cool courses along with it. So it was just something I ended up doing. And then obviously got better at just because I, I got a chance to play more than I had ever played before. Yeah. And you yeah. ended up getting second individually in the CS8 your, your senior year. The yeah. In the city, in the city. city. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It ended up being all conference, I think, but, uh, yeah. Um, and cool. then our team won it, which is still yeah. to this day, one of the coolest things. Cause, uh, you know, we, we, we just – I say that as the merry band of misfits. Like a bunch of guys that came from totally different <laughs> backgrounds. Like yeah. guys that are like smoking cigarettes on the course and like the most <laughs> crude group of individuals you've ever been around. But, man, we could play some golf. And, That's a late uh, beer golf team. Oh, it is, man. It is. And That's Coach O'Brien would tell you the same thing. Like That's there was great. always something going on with our group. But we could play. And yeah. uh, I hated playing with the guys that were like in the, the ones and twos groups because those guys never talked and they were very serious. And man, I, I like to enjoy it, man. I yeah. like to talk and, and congratulate people when they had a good shot and things like that. And mm-hmm. man, shoot the breeze for the two hours that you were four hours that you're out there. So sure. I, I played down the, the line a little bit Yeah. and uh, coaches would always give me a hard time for that. But it was like, man, this is, this is why I'm doing it. Right. Right. So enjoying it. That's yes. really cool. Um, so let's get into your, to your junior year here. Um, you know, batted 393, which is seventh in the CS8. Strong year, like I said, didn't pitch much. Starting to, to, to grow some. Are we getting any college attention at this point? Uh, really nothing. Um, wow. You know, at, at this point in time, like Carbondale has sent me a letter. That's about it. Uh, and really, Carbondale sent me a letter. Uh, Miami, Ohio sent me a letter because uh, Andy Danner mm-hmm. uh, went to school there and was coaching with the Statesman and kind of let them know a little bit about me. Yeah, but that's that's really about it. Uh, a lot of the the people that saw me and were interested in me were guys that were there to see other people. Uh, uh, Miami, Ohio. Yeah. Another reason why was, um, you know, they came to see Greg Taylor. Yep. And I was playing on the other team. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, things like that. So really, next to no attention, uh, and a lot of that had to do with just my size. Sure. You know, I'm five foot seven, five foot eight, maybe. Uh, so, 120 pounds so. where are you seeing your, your your okay your junior year played very well um where are you seeing yourself trajectory wise are you dead set on i'm playing college baseball i'm i'm playing pro baseball I, I have to be d1 what are your what are your thoughts here man that that never really entered my mind about any of it like i was just like lost in competing in the sport that i was in just enjoying um, the moment yeah and i i I think about that now because I'm so involved in the recruiting process that like, maybe I should have, but really at that point in time, I was like, man, I just wanted to compete in the sport that I was in and then just figure it out from there. Um, yeah. I, I, 
I hoped to play something in college, but it wasn't like the thing that was at the forefront of my mind. Yeah. Interesting. Man, I can't even believe that. So then you absolutely explode your senior year and uh, 490, uh, first in the CSA, three bombs, 1.67 ERA. You were absolutely dicing people up. 85 Ks, uh, 15 base on balls, eight and two. You were second in the CSA. In ERA, you were the uh, 2001 CSA Male Athlete of the Year. You were the CSA uh, Baseball Player of the Year. Quite the jump, my man. Come, t- let's talk about the senior year. Yeah, it was uh, – can you hear me good? Yeah. Okay. It was uh, quite the thing, man, like just really getting into it. Um, you know, I had finally caught up growth-wise, yeah. everything yeah. else – um, it was super interesting that I, I, you know, my arm was way better, just everything about it. I, I was just yeah. bigger, faster, and stronger and throwing upper 80s just, just kind of hit my stride. Right. Yeah. And with that, here we are, you know, excelling in baseball. That's when some of the attention started to hit, um, you know, kind of going backwards there is like my junior or sorry, my, the fall of that year is when I kind of got my first taste of recruiting uh, with the Notre Dame stuff and, and all that. Um, Yeah. So it, it really like obviously took off once I started to kind of put it all together during the baseball year. So your, your dad talked about uh, Notre Dame seeing you and being interested in bringing you in for a camp and they really liked you, but they signed someone that was very similar to you. Pitcher shortstop. Is that accurate kind of, and they were kind of on the fence on whether they were going to be able to sign you. Yeah, so I'm, I, w- I go to a camp there, and uh, it's in the fall, and, like, go do really well. Like, go off. They ask yeah. me to stay behind and, and, like, work with them one-on-one and talk, and I do that. Um, and, you know, they were, like, a top 25 program at the time. Yeah. Uh, Paul Maneri, the longtime LSU coach, their assistant who recruited me was Brian O'Connor, who's the longtime Virginia coach now. Yeah. Like you're talking about dudes that, that, you know, careers like very successful national championship type careers. Yeah. Um, That they were really the first team that like showed genuine interest, uh, made an offer. I was all in, like, I wanted to go there. I'm an Irish Catholic kid. Like, yeah. And my dad's like, we have nothing to compare this to like, what, what do we, you know, what do you want to look at? Whatever. Yeah. Like, we have no idea about anything else. So I was like, okay. And a week or so goes by and they get another kid to commit. Uh, Matt yeah. McCree, who's like ends up being a second rounder, playing the big leagues, everything else. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of left out in the cold uh, because Damn. that was maybe October of my senior year. Mm-hmm. I don't get another offer until like April or May of my senior year. So oh, I wow. go, you know, seven, eight months with nothing. Uh, and my, my dream place I had, you know, in my hand and I didn't, didn't accept it quick enough. So it's, uh, you you had an offer, but you said, I'm going to wait a little bit. Yes. Well, I, my dad was like, we can't say yes because we have nothing to compare it to. Right. So like, what, what what are we going to, what are we going to do? Like, I, like we, we don't know if this is a good thing or bad thing. And it was a totally different climate then without social media, things like that. We just didn't know enough about it. Yeah. So what, 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 what all teams did you end up talking to up your, your dad mentioned Miami of Ohio, U of I, Northwestern, Illinois state, coastal Carolina, Bradley, you know, you went to multiple prospect camps. Your dad also mentioned that like 
you were invited to some of these kind of prospect camps and things, but that you didn't want to miss basketball and golf and things like that. Is that? Yeah, that was always kind of a thing for me um, that I made cool. it known and, and something that I encourage kids to do nowadays is like, I always told my coaches, no matter who it was, that I was never going to miss anything for another sport. So if it was golf season, I was in golf. I wasn't going to miss anything because of baseball. Same with like during the summer, I never missed a statesman game or a workout or anything else for basketball. But if I didn't have anything, I was there. Um, So I I, I just believed in being present for that team and and doing your thing. Now I know I missed out on some things, but in the end, like it all worked out. I really miss out on a whole lot. Right. Yeah. So I, I ended up, taking an official visit to Carbondale, taking an official visit to Illinois State, um, you know, talking with Miami of Ohio, talking with Coastal Carolina. I was supposed to go on a visit, but I ended up canceling that just because I was ready to I, – I made up my mind on Carbondale. And yeah. uh, it, that was really, along with the Notre Dame thing, that was really it. Those were the schools that I was looking at that fit academically and athletically. And uh, I had some interest for some other people, but – you know, the, the, the Carbondale thing came to fruition and uh, was just where I was meant to be. Yeah, that's what your dad said. Like, you just felt at home when you were there. Like, Dad, this is it. Like, I feel comfortable here. This 100%. Yeah. So I, don't, I think I'm, I'm probably the only person ever that has probably could ever say this, but they were so genuine and honest, right? Coach Cal, Hindu, so genuine, so honest. Yeah. I, yeah. I felt like I was talking with, like, a... a like my parents, right? My yeah. parents are very genuine, very honest people as yeah. well. Like even if it's not what you want to hear, they'll still tell you. Yeah. Um, I am. I accepted my worst offer. Really? Yeah, that was my worst offer. They offered me. Uh, they offered me books and fees, which is like twelve percent. So in the article, I read. You know, I've read every PJ article there is out there. There was one that said you accepted a grant in aid, and I was like, that seems. Why didn't it say scholarship? Yep. Yep. That's crazy, dude. Books really? and fees. So like 12%. Now I was getting quite a bit because of my academics. Yeah. Um, I, I pretty much maxed out everywhere I went, but like, wow. I mean, uh, Illinois state offered me 75%. I was going to go to school Phew. there for free. Man, um, that's a big offer. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I was fortunate. I had, you know, the paper boy scholarship because I was a paper boy all through high school. Uh, okay. I didn't know that. I had, cool. a, had a bunch of other things that like the money, yeah like was coming from a bunch of different places. Uh, yeah. I was fortunate with academics and like yeah, I said, with paper boy stuff and, right? and that I was able to do that and, and really choose a place because of how I felt going there and the academic side of it and all the other things, mm-hmm. not just what the baseball offer was. That's so cool. And you were uh, number two in your class at Lanfair. Is that accurate? Yes. Yep. So very strong with the books. Always took it seriously. Cool. Obviously, you know, colleges love that. I remember, I think reading that, um, Callahan was talking about how he loved that about you as well because they had you know kind of a few seasons of some guys not being academically eligible before you got there so that was they were like hey let's he's very talented but he's also good in school too so win-win and can you talk about that visit and what just stood out to you and like why did it feel like it was it was home for you like that was it it was it was a very weird visit um same kind of thing as Illinois State where I went down on a Sunday watched them play and then visited on Monday and you'll laugh at this because it, it is, is a Springfield connection, right? Um, Carbondale's playing Missouri State, and Bill Clayton's throwing on the mound for Carbondale. Bill Billy Clayton's Clayton. the best pitcher I've ever faced up until this point in my life. I mean, he threw fuzz in high school. Fuzz. Bill Clayton gets lit up like a Christmas tree. And wow. I remember, like, in, like, the third inning, like, looking at my dad and saying, like, 
can I play here? Like, am I good <laughs> enough to play here? Because this is the best guy I've ever faced. Right. Yeah, right. And it's like 12 to one in the third inning and he's coming out and like, these dudes are big, fast, strong. And I am not any of those. And I'm yeah. like, this is, this might be too much for me. Like, I don't know if I'm good enough. And my dad just being like, yeah, like you got to get better, but like, I think you can do this. Um, but then like going and, and I actually, Bill was my, uh, my host. Um, got to spend some time really? around the rest of the group and, and I just, just felt like a place that, like I said, felt like home. And then I, the next day visit, get to meet all the people, um, you know, have a couple cool things that happened throughout the day that, that I know now that were, were, you know, just maybe stars aligning, like, you know, we're walking around the student union and Carbondale and, uh, the great Paul Simon, the Senator is there Wow! and coach Cal introduces me to him. And Paul Simon's like, Hey man, if you end up coming here, like I'll have you out to my house for dinner. <laughs> you know, fast forward like three years, like my family right. and I went wow. to Paul Simon's house for dinner. Like yes. I was a sophomore in college and I actually like, like he made do on that promise, like just little things like that. And it, it just, man, it, it was great weather. Like everything about it was just, we just felt right. And that's, that's what you're searching for. That's what kids should be searching for in the recruiting process. And like I said, I accepted my worst offer by leaps and bounds because it was home. It's what felt right. And I love that. looking back on that is the best decision I've ever made. Yeah. You, you followed your intuition and it, it worked out for you. Yes. Man, that's so cool. I, yes. I, I love, I love hearing stories like that. Like who turns down a 75% scholarship for a grant and aid for books? Yes. Man. Yep. Big balls yep. on you, buddy. Big balls. Yes. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Okay. So yeah, you know, I've got, I, I want to drop some more. I've got some Jim Rupert quotes that I, that I forgot. Okay. To so before we go on to like high school or uh, college here, and I love talking to Jim Rupert, man. I, I grew up, you know, listening to him on the radio. and For sure. You know, I, I grew up competing against Brad. His, his son was a good baseball player and just, like, you know, loves the game, knows it. Uh, PJ used to come to our men's league games back uh, when I played with Greg. That's how far back I go with PJ. Uh, PJ had the greatest smile in the world and the littlest body growing up. <laughs> An unbelievable mentality for sports. I've got a clip on that. I already played that clip. Uh you know, hit 290 as a sophomore was okay. Had a really good junior year, and then his body his body cut up his senior year, and the rest is history. PJ and SIU Carbondale was a match made in heaven. He went down there and became a pro baseball player. Uh, he called your senior year at Lanefear in, in Jason Worth category, and that's like rare yeah. air. I mean, Jason Worth had – I mean, if, for those who don't know, Jason Worth is from the area, first-round draft pick, had the, the most insane season. I think like 700 or something crazy, just like his senior year. Um, let's see. That was a really, uh, it was really the last good team Landfair had Danny Madiri, Workman, the Beach Brothers, Marshall Pressler, Doll Camp, the Fager Twins. Um, that was the last time Landfair was good. He's such a good kid. No one's ever said a bad thing about him. I agree with that. I've never heard one person say a negative thing about you. Uh, people forget how good he was as a basketball player, playing with Andre and Rich, a uh, tremendous golfer. I remember how proud he was of beating his dad for the first time. He said it took you until you were in pro ball and that was the first time that you beat your dad. I mean, it probably did. Uh, <laughs> it, it may have been after that. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and then this is funny. Uh, Dan Callahan told, told him a story about you uh, saying that like the first time you started you as a freshman, he was looking down and you're like tying up your cleats. And he's like, am I really going to put this little guy on the field? He doesn't look like he's ready to play. 
but he, he rolled you out there and the rest is history. Um, yeah, that's yeah. a true, true story. That's really funny is that we're getting ready to go to our first trip and he, Cal was really big on meetings and, and communication. And I, I try to, a lot of what I do is, is based on what Cal did. And, uh, he calls me in. He says, here's the deal. We got three guys that can play shortstop that I really like. He said, you're going to play one game when we go to Monroe. And he said, after that, I'm going to let you guys figure it out. Like whoever plays the best is going to be, is going to be the guy. Wow. So I didn't, I didn't even think anything of it, you know, go out and you prepare, you do all the things. And then they yeah. post a lineup card for the first game. I was hitting eighth and I was playing shortstop. I'm like, Oh, well, I'm the guy today. Like, cool. Yeah. Game one. Hell yeah. And I've heard him tell that story. He's like, he's looking down, seeing me put my shoes on and thinking this guy looks like the bat boy. Cause I still had not put on much weight. And he's like, and he's going to be our starting shortstop in a division one game. And I, I can vividly remember that game because like it's the same thing. I, I've never been like a person that's been like anxious or nervous or scared, like just get lost in the competition. And that's part of it. Love it. I remember like early on my first two at bats just being like completely overmatched. Like I could not get around. <laughs> I was like, this yeah. guy's string a million miles an hour, whatever else. Yeah. And just like everything else that's kind of happened is, is you find a way to like get settled into the game, right? Make mm-hmm. a couple plays. And then Absolutely. in like the seventh inning or sixth inning, we turn myself, Greg Andrews and I, who's one of my best friends. Yeah. Unbelievable defensive combination, but we turn just an absolute ridiculous double play where like he like fields a ball, throws a flip. It's not very good. I dig it out, jump over a guy, throw this guy out at first and like completely momentum changes. And then the next time up, I come up with bases loaded and legit like hit a ball, like three inches fair down the right field line. Like that's as far around as I got on a ball all day, Yeah. yeah. but like base clearing triple, you know, we're going nuts. We take the lead. We win. Yeah. And, like, you just don't take anything of it, right? And the next day, I show up, and I'm back in the lineup. And I'm like, what happened with this plan? And so I'm, like, not going to say a word. Not going. I'm just going to do my stuff. I'm going to go out there. And I never came out of the lineup. I played shortstop every single game that entire year. and uh, so damn cool. Played played every game. Yeah. Uh, Just a couple of cool things happened to you, and you feel like you belong, and the rest is history. Yes. And you you and Greg went on to lead the nation in double plays. one year, I believe. Was it your junior year, his senior? It was my sophomore year, sophomore. his junior year. Okay, yep. yeah. Yep. And you guys were obviously just amazing spinning it up the middle. So, yeah. really cool. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. Um, Dan talked about – or Rupert said Dan Callahan, you know, told me that I can see PJ coming out of the bullpen for the Tigers and pitching in Yankee Stadium. He can be a big leaguer. Uh, PJ could have been a lawyer. PJ could have been a doctor. He could have been anything he wanted. He's so smart and has a great personality. Um, and then on, on your on your hiring, um, it wasn't a mercy hiring. He he hired someone who was good, a great recruiter, and got plenty of guys to pro ball. I'm talking about you know when you got hired as a pitching coach. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. So we're uh, we're essentially. Oh, you know what? I've got some more Gregs. I gotta. I gotta oh run gosh. Some more Greg quotes. We gotta get through them here. Some of them kind of back up a little bit. Some some statesman stuff, but I didn't have a. There was no good place to break them here. So PJ's uh, heart was broken when the Hewitts left. When uh, when Tug moved, and that that was when PJ really stepped up as a leader of the Statesman. Uh, mainly a fastball changeup guy when younger, but he had guts. <clears throat> at about 16, you said your your velocity started jumping. He said you were at some tournament during the summer, and some guy came up to you and were like, 
came up to your dad and was like, hey, he's throwing like 81, 82 now. Do you realize that? And your dad was kind of like, no way. And, you know, the arm strength kept getting better from there. Yeah. And eventually kind of some upper 80s senior year. Uh, you know, PJ was an all-tournament team guy. All of a sudden things started to go in full motion, getting a lot better. 17U, one double U triple SA in Memphis, fourth place in Caba in Delaware at 14. Um, oh, cool. This was at 15. So he said he knew things were changing for you at 15. You guys were playing at Calvary. You remember the field of Calvary? I do. I you're, do. You already you're, know what I'm about to talk about. Uh, I don't, but I just remember playing a lot of games there because uh, Tim was the head coach at Calvary, Tim Hewlett. Yeah. And so we had use to the field during the summer. Yeah. So. He said you turned on a ball and hit it further than he'd ever seen it, than you hit a ball, into the U-Haul parking lot. First homer that he can remember yours. And he said all of a sudden, you know, just things were changing for you. You were getting bigger and stronger. And, like, everyone yeah. kind of was like, oh, PJ's got some bad speed. PJ's got some power now. He's not just, you know, slapping it around anymore. Uh, and also about that time, he said your golf yard had just changed. Like, you were frustrated. You were like, man, I, Dad, my, all my irons are messed up. They're like 20 yards you know, different than they, you know, you had to jump clothes down because you're getting stronger and bigger. And, um, this was cool. Um, PJ does not pull up in golf or in life, like tin cup, you know? So like, he's still 100%. that way. He's still that way to this day. He talked about some seven iron that you loved. You were really good with some seven iron that you had and you could just hit the shit out of it. Um, yeah. He, he likes to give me a hard time about that because I was in high school golf especially there was there was no laying up and it's, it's a seven wood and this is where okay. like my grandfather influence comes in my grandpa yeah said your grandpa uh, said go for it always always and <laughs> my grandfather and i are probably the most similar uh yeah like just people personalities yeah and that city championship my grandfather was very sick my grandfather had cancer and would later pass away in january of that year but I think he knew he was really sick and he, me and him spent a lot of time together and he was there, uh, the final round. And, uh, oh, cool. he encouraged me to take on a really silly shot. Yeah. Uh, number nine at Piper Glen. Yeah. We talked like, about like two fifty over the water from a bad lie. <laughs> yeah. The seven ball, wood ball was above your feet. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. just dumb. And my golf coach, coach O'Brien was right there, like losing her mind because if I just like, made par or like didn't blow up. Like I was going to finish one, one or two, but then also we were going to win uh, because like I said, I didn't play one or two. I was one of the guys further down the line Yeah, and I, I did it. I like carried it like two fifty to the back of the green and like two putted for birdie. And awesome. she was like cussing me and my grandpa was like <laughs> high-fiving me. Like that's what I'm talking about type of thing. So that, that's, that's very it. true. PJ goes for it. I love it, man. Um, your your dad was super proud that you and Dusty were the A and double A, you know, baseball players of the year, athletes of the year. Super, that is really cool, you know, that you yeah. guys, statesmen, one and two there. Um, the, the, I already said the quote, but I'm going to say it again because it's funny. Finnegan's have big legs and big butts. Even some of our grandkids have them. Yeah. So, <laughs> good for athletics. And that's right. That in my, that's in my family, too. Um, yeah. He was really pumped about beating the East Cobbs, and you guys made some huge jumps between your senior and junior year, junior and senior year. He talked about how money and crisp you guys infield was for with the statesman. He said you guys would intimidate guys before games because you were just so money, just like bop, bop, bop. You know, that's really point. really funny that, that that is something that people always bring up because that that's the competitive nature of that group. Mm -hmm. Is that we would joke that like that's when we're gonna start 
like beating you. Like we're going to take a better infield. You're going to laugh, but like, you're going to know that we're here to show up and we're going to, we're going to get after it. So like, he's not wrong. We would take the prettiest infield and there would be no balls thrown away. And it would be like, I mean, as sharp as sharp can be. There, there is something to be said about a team looking very sharp in infield before a game because you know the other team's watching you, right? Yes. And there's, yeah. there's an intimidation factor. If they're on point, they look professional, they're taking it serious. Yeah, they're like, okay, these boys came to play today. They're not messing around. It doesn't look sloppy or like shit or anything like that. So For sure. Yeah. And then uh, you talked about how, you know, Cal, Coach Cal was, you know, enamored with you your senior year and like, oh, my God, he's throwing upper 80s now and he's getting stronger and command and confidence and he's going to keep getting bigger and stronger. So you're – you're throwing upper 80s and you weigh 140 pounds or whatever. Yes. So, you know, you put another 60 pounds on you or 40 or whatever you put on at Carbondale. And he was really just excited about what you were going to turn into. Uh, yeah. Cool. We got those. Uh, yeah. So let's move on to Carbondale, my man. Yes. SIU Carbondale. This is great. Um, man, you had such an amazing career there. Um, let's, let's start out talking about Coach Cal. You know, rest rest in peace to that man. I, I know you guys were very close, very special relationship with you. He had a you know courageous battle with cancer, passing away in 2010. You go way back with Coach Cal, like right? You guys, I do, I do, yeah. um, I, very much so. And then that that always like continues to be woven in, in just who I am. But um, still very close with his family now, uh, his wife and two daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, and I, I know where you're going, so you can go ahead and go there. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so Rupert tipped me off to it. Yeah. Um, I couldn't actually find it. He said it was on an interview for a, a, a Callahan tribute with Mike Reese. Am, am, am I saying that name right, Reese? Yes, Mike right? Reese. Yeah. Okay, so you had some really, you had some really cool interviews with him. Uh, shout out to that guy. So Rupert talked about you showing your underwear to um, to Cal when you're or no, you were at a, I don't want you to tell it. If you, you Yeah, so it. my uh, aunt and uncle, <laughs> Sue and Bill Ruff, used to have like a huge Christmas party. Yeah. And uh, Dan Callahan would go and I like I this is where I first get to meet him. And I was a very little kid. I mean, we're talking maybe three, four, five years old. And I was yeah. very excited about one of my Christmas presents. And <laughs> knowing how well I know Cal now, I'm sure that he had a conversation with me and there was a lot that went into this. But uh, I eventually, in my excitement to show him my new Voltron underwear, because I was a Voltron guy back then, <laughs> is, uh, I showed him my Voltron underwear. And that is something that he would always give me a hard time about even – you know, 20 something years later. That is so funny. It's special. Like those, those are the kind of funny stories I really love to hear. And yes. Uh, yeah. Can you, can you tell me about Cal as a coach? I mean, Cal, just the person, the coach, whatever is, is a larger than life figure. Like yeah. they did there never be anybody like that. Um, mm-hmm. he, he, as a coach, unbelievably knowledgeable, but his ability to communicate is, is, there's been nothing I've ever come across that's been like that. Um, he, he is just, he was just, just, just different, man. Cared on a much deeper level. He just had a way of getting his point across. Uh, and it was fun, man. Like it's just so much fun to be around on a day-to-day basis. He was funny. He was witty. He was just so incredibly intelligent and engaging. Like there's, He's a, he's one of those guys. that's like a mythical being to me. Uh, oh, I awesome. don't know that anybody will ever like 
live up to that. Yeah. And I think almost everyone that played for him will probably tell you the same thing. Like it, so it cool. just such a sad thing that he passed away at such a yeah. young age, but the, the stories are endless. The, the, yeah. the life lessons are endless. Like yeah. it's, I hold him in such a high regard that I, yeah. I think he and my dad are like the two most influential, like wow. male people in my life. That's so. so special. Yeah. His, his legacy lives on and you know everything that he imparted on you lives on through you. So for sure, you know, while, while, sure. while he might not be here, all the men that he has touched and guided carry on, you know, carry yes. on everything that he's, that he's given to the game. So rest yes. in peace to that guy, man, absolute legend. And I, I know you guys were so close and yes. Uh, yeah. So cool, man. Um, Let's talk about your freshman year, man. So we had a strong freshman year. We uh, we were uh, freshman All American. We were let's see, we hit three ten. We had twelve doubles, fifty six games. So you were starting every game there. Uh, didn't pitch a ton. Uh, Eleven innings. So yeah. Just tell me how, how was that freshman year? You just you know adjusting from high school ball to Division One. You know MVC is a strong baseball conference. So for what, sure, how was that first year for you, man? I mean, it was it was eye opening because I, I felt like I knew the game, but not to that level. And when yeah. I first got there, I was you know, it was same kind of story as I was just so small compared to everybody else. That mm-hmm. was a huge adjustment period. Everything happened so fast. Uh, I really had to like figure out the the little nuances of the game. Right, I had to get yeah. better. Um, so all fall. And really the preseason stuff was just trying to catch up as fast as I can, was doing a lot more as a position player, doing very little as a pitcher. Okay. Um, I, I really didn't even jump on the mound until scout day my freshman year, which is like at the end of the fall. And that was the maybe one of a, a handful of times I even threw off the mound. Yeah. Uh, so it was mostly as a position player. I had a lot of things to learn, especially to play shortstop at that level. Sure. And then, like I said, was was told – hey, you're going to play one of these games and then we're going to figure out what happens after this and then yeah. just took the reins and, and went with it. And, uh, you know, it, it was a really good year. Um, you know, I, I was one of only a couple position players, young position players on that team it was a lot of older guys who took yeah. me under their wing. Okay. Um, a lot of guys that I became really close with. And, who are some uh, of those guys? What's that? Who are some of those guys? Well, uh, Jeff Stanek was, was a big one. He was a 20th round pick by the, the Diamondbacks, played first base. Mm-hmm. Greg Andrews and Sal Frisella became two of my best friends. Corey Newman, yeah. like those guys, Toby Barnett, who ended up playing with the Phillies, like that group, those like six guys, uh, along with a couple other pitchers, uh, were, were a big part of my, my experience and were those that like, man, like got on me when I wasn't doing the right things and, and yeah. really set a good course for me. And uh, those guys are all enormous human beings, uh, like like literally 6'2 and above, like 220. Um, yeah. And I got to hit in the middle of them, you know, after I yeah. started the year down in the order. And I think yeah. that that was a big reason for my success was, you know, here's this guy that's 150 pounds. Everyone kind of threw they could – felt like they could throw fastballs by me and I got a ton of good pitches to hit. So <laughs> I, I kind of yeah. took advantage of that. And, and you know, there's a big fall yeah. off that comes after my freshman year. And that's a big yeah. reason why is because I, I got pitched a lot differently and uh, you know, I didn't have all those, those dudes that were really Locker. good around me. Yeah. So. I remember uh, now Sal Fursella, I remember watching him actually, he was a horse. He went on horse. to have a professional career and had like a gruesome leg injury. If I remember. Yes. 
And then yes. it's also gone on. He's one of like the owners of First Form. Is that right? He is. He he and his brother own company. First Form. Yeah, yeah. A huge supplement company here in St. Yeah. Louis. Still talk to him all That's the cool. time being right here in St. Louis. Right it's, it's it's cool to see all his success. Yeah, really cool. Um, yeah. Man, so then, um, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna play a Matt Brewer clip right now. So Matt Brewer being your uh, three-year teammate down there. Um, yes. You know, a SHG grad. He had a short pro career with the Diamondbacks. He had some amazing things to say about you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play me a uh, – or play us a Brewer quote on uh, – or a clip on PJ as a shortstop. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to see it, obviously, firsthand a lot as a kid and then for three years in Carbondale. Um, yeah. You know, he, he did everything. I mean, he he could, he, he, could, he could read hitters a certain way, I feel like, to where, you know, whether it be a pitch or the way somebody swings, you know, his, his anticipation was really good. Yeah. He'd make your um, – but then he would also – he'd make all the tough plays. Um, and, I, I you know, I have – I've got a handful of memories of – you know, a hard ground ball hit up the middle um, and him grabbing it, you know, in short center field and kind of spinning and throwing and throwing a guy out and just stuff like that, that you didn't see a lot of other players being able to make that plays. And especially, yeah. you know, a guy who, you know, he's not very big, you know, he, he's, right. he's a yeah. smaller guy. And then one more here. As far as him as a, you know, as a teammate or, you know, how I perceive him, he just, he was a guy who wanted to win more than anything uh you know he was a very very smart player um always knew what to do with the ball when it was hit to him where to go um very creative in that aspect and you know i i always perceived it as it was somebody who really liked the game he liked to learn about the game he obviously loved to play the game um and that kind of showed in in his personality and then how he played matt brewer yeah the dude, man, was yeah. was such a good player. I have a good map, a quick Matt Brewer one. Let's go. When I was a senior in high school, he, he, you know, obviously he's he's a really good player. Yeah. And we're in the city series. It's like bases loaded, and like I'm throwing the kitchen sink at him, and he's fouling everything. He's right on everything. <laughs> and I'm thankful that Scott Beach was catching because um, he didn't always catch. And you know, Scotty and I are best friends, and he comes out and he's like. And I think Scott could tell, man, like little intuition. He's like, what do you want to throw? And he, you know, he was like, we're done. Like, I, I know you, like, we've done it all. Like, what do you want to do? And we're like sitting there and we're kind of like him and Han and it's just in a testament to the competitor and the dude that Brewer was. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, hey, man, you know, when we're like screwing around in those wiffle ball games. And I'll throw like a sidearm breaking ball. He's like, I'm going to do it right here. And he's like, bet, let's do it. And, you know, we played against Brewer, like, either with or against him like our entire lives and so literally i throw like a submarine like frisbee breaking ball and he misses it by like a mile and he just looks at me like what the hell was that you don't and throw scott's that. like going nuts just laughing because it was right down the middle but like just i mean when are you gonna do something stupid like that and we get out of the inning and you know i talked to him after the game he's like seriously what was that it's like I don't know. We just figured it out on the mound. It's like, <laughs> why not? Like you were right on everything else. So. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. Oh. Yeah. All right. So after that, after that freshman year, you know, very strong. We're, I mean, this is obviously a different process for you. So you're probably with a, you know, I'm sure SIU had a strength coach or strength program changes for you there, getting stronger, getting bigger. 
Yeah, for sure. I put on like 25 pounds. Um, and it was, it was really good. You know, I was really starting to change my body, get in the weight room for the first time. Um, you know, you see velo jump, you see speed jump, you see all these things starting to take off a little bit. And that, that certainly helped. Uh, but at that point in time, you know, 25 pounds and you're getting to like 160, 165. It's not yeah. like I'm getting right. to be where I really need to be. Um, yeah. But that, that was a big part of it. And then, you know, finish up that year and get a chance to go back home, play with the rifles and, rifles, uh, yeah. you know, kind of hit the reset button go play with Billy Clayton and, and Dusty and JR and some of those guys and, and, and really kind of, you know, rekindle some old relationships and stuff like that. So. Yeah. How was that summer playing for the rifles? It was interesting, man. You, you, you know, I wasn't physical, right. Go to the rifles playing against some good, you know, the CICL was much better back then and right. uh, wood bats. Like first time we'd ever really played with wood bats and yeah. uh, man, like truly get my, my lunch handed to me, like struggled like crazy out of the gate. Really? Like maybe like, Oh, for my first 30. Oh, this is um, the context thing. Yes. That is the context thing. So we never played night games at Carbondale yeah. and, and I didn't think anything of it. And then lo and behold, I go to the eye doctor and the eye doctor is like, yeah, you need contacts. You have astigmatism. Like I'm sure you really struggle at night. It's like, yeah, we're only playing night games. Like I, <laughs> I feel like I just can't see spin. And I just thought that maybe it was just me not being a very good hitter. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, I get contacts and then hit like, you know, pretty well for the rest of the summer and then kind of stick with that as we go forward. Um, you know, after that summer, just, just have a good summer to kind of hit the reset button, play more infield than anything else, pitch a little bit, but more of just getting at bats and, and trying to get acclimated to the college game still. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like, like you said, this, the CICL used to be a very strong league. I say it like every podcast, but yeah, it used to be one of the top, uh, college wood bat leagues they, they were funded by major league baseball they're For sure they now turned into the the prospect league and they've it is, some it is. it's not the same but you yes. can be a big big deal to play for the cicl and play for the rifles especially if you were from the area you knew guys that had gone on to play rifles and were big time you know baseball players from the area so for sure cool. yeah i remember uh so my good buddy kind of helped run the show joey albsmart i know you didn't play with him this year on the rifles it was, a, it yes. was down the line a little bit but I do want to drop a few uh, Joey things right now. So he had some amazing things to say about you. Yeah, so. we we were maybe part of – those was the first year we played at Landfair Park, and it was might have been one of the worst rifle teams ever assembled. <laughs> so can only imagine what he had to say. Okay, here we go. Uh, Joey on PJ being different. I definitely remember as soon as the ball came off the bat, like the – the speed or the direction or the route that he would take to the ball. I remember just kind of watching him. And at first I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, why are you going that way? And then he would get, he would time every hop perfectly. It's like, he knew if it was to be two hop, three hop, you know, he, he took a direction of where he would field it and, and already be facing first base or already be taking his, his, uh, you know, momentum that way. And I, I remember there was a moment in time where I just sit there and I was like, man, like I, yeah, like what game have I been playing? Like, <laughs> like what are we? What are the rest of us doing? Just standing in and <laughs> this is great. All right, here's got. I got one more. The, the, the first thing, yeah, first thing that I remember is just I've never seen anyone with instincts at on the infield and being able to read balls like that and position themselves. Um, yeah. And it literally did me feel like yes, we're we're on the same team and we're playing the same game, but like we're we're not from the same world. Like not even right. 
<laughs> he just glowed about you. Uh, yeah, let me roll off a few Joey quotes here, and then we'll keep going. One of the, one of those area guys you started hearing about in Little League. Uh, I totally agree. One of those guys. You know, PJ was so perplexing to a lot of us because of the size. He was either <clears throat> on the smaller end or very average, and he just had this rocket of an arm and could do this. And he would just look at himself and be like, "Well, why can't I do this? Like we're like the same size. Why is <laughs> you know?" Our first time on the field, your, your instincts are at shortstop are so alien, like you're playing a different game than everyone else. Uh, had never seen it, anyone with instincts like you, how he was always in front of the ball, feet ready to throw, the routes. Um, wasn't overbearing physically. I still don't understand how his arm is that much better. His hitting was so precise, just blew my mind. Always so impressed with how it seemed like he never had off games. So he was, you know, you're always ready to play. He was always playing at his peak, contributing. His focus was incredible. That's just how PJ played. He always had his best game, and that was contagious. It raised the rest of everyone's game as well. Uh, you had to bring it and play play well around him, not because he demanded it, but because he did. You know, he brought that kind of intensity, and you wanted to not let him down. You wanted to rise to his level. Uh, let's see. Uh, so versatile as a pitcher and shortstop. You could always count on him. Barely needed time to warm up. He says he remembers you coming in and throwing like, three pitches and be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> you know, just like ready to go. Great clubhouse guy. Love being around him. Passionate. Always knew what to do. A leader by example. Um, you were always getting his best, best effort. Um, he remembers being wowed by your basketball ability. You know, you could shoot, dribble, do all those things. You know, you were leading a team at Landfear and uh, his stamina to show up and do it every day. The extra work. Amazing. He remembers being confused when you would show up for rifles games and, you know, changing into your game shorts and not putting on a cup. So back to the cup thing <laughs> and just being like, how is this dude? Doing this? <laughs> but uh, yeah, just super high IQ, you know, always positive, all kinds of good stuff like that. So. Uh, oh man, yeah. we, we did, we, we shared a nice summer of, of, of agony. I think all of us, <laughs> and it was, it was very, very, very interesting. And I, I always felt bad because I did bail on that summer, but yeah. Yes. So. All right, man, we're getting close to the end. So you got, we got about 10 minutes left for you got to. Yeah, I got about 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So what we can get into, a, you know what? I'm going to finish my, my uh, brewer quotes then. Okay. So got some brewer quotes. And then I don't want to get too far because we're close to the end here. Uh, PJ to me is just a baseball guy. That's how I always perceived him. We grew up on the North end of Springfield playing basketball together, baseball, you know, and that Dairy Queen team, um, Great hands as a shortstop, made all the plays. The baseball IQ does stick out. Always in the game. Knows what to do and expect. Him and Greg Andrews led Division One in double plays. They were amazing. Uh, you know, first team all-conference as a shortstop and a pitcher. Joe Carter, player of the year. I can't imagine anyone in history has ever done that. Not a lot of guys that go both ways. He did it in a manner – to do it in the manner that he did, you know, that's what got him into the Hall of Fame. A season that has never been done before and never will be done again. I can tell you how hard – that is trying to do both, you know, on your arm, trying to be a position player and a pitcher. It's, it's really difficult. Not everyone is PJ and can do it like him as a pitcher. He was either coming in on your hands or darting away. He had so much movement that no pitch was easy to hit. Even if you were sitting on it, there was just so much movement. He had a good slider and his two seam moved a ton, good velocity. Everything was down, got a lot of ground balls and K's. His leadership was by example. He never questioned his effort. His mistakes were never mental. He always played hard, laid out. He remembers um, a game you got your finger busted open uh, at short and then went into pitch basically with like a bloody busted open finger. 
you would do anything to stay on the field. And that totally makes sense. We talked about that illness you had at Landfear, you know, always sure. in the game, always at the field, you know, just a baseball rat, locker mates at SIU. You were 11. He was either 10, 10, 10 yeah, right next to each other. You know, listens to the coaches, applies it, tries to bring guys together. Great example. And then uh, he said he used to call you uh, DJ PJ because you dressed up as a DJ for one Halloween. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we've <laughs> run the gambit of a lot of things and uh, he, he's, I have an affinity for putting on music when people want to hang out. And that's, that has stuck with me even now through my adulthood, <laughs> uh, even with like my daughter and things like that. So that is a nickname that I will probably never, ever be able to live down right there. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. So we're, 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 we're essentially done with your freshman year here. We don't have time to get into your sophomore year, so I would like to – I'm going to go to some of our, our, our baseball Q&A questions. Okay. If you're cool with that. Well, I'll do yeah, like all good, them. man. All good. I'm not going to knock them all. I'm going to save some of them for the end, but we're getting close to our time here. So um, this is a funny one. I Obviously, I was sending you all the articles that I was looking at and whatnot and blasts from the past and stuff, and there was one where it was like you were C, um, CS8, like player of the week or something like that. And it was yeah. – it shows all your favorite things, and I already busted your balls a little bit about it privately, but I'm going to do it now publicly. You listed Creed as your favorite band. Yeah, is, is, is Creed still your favorite band? Are you still a Creed head? That would be definitely like being a prisoner of the moment right there. <laughs> um, I, I, can't, I can't even tell you the last time I listened to one of those songs. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I have a favorite band in my my. Probably my favorite genre of music is either old school rap or uh, yeah. or, or I very much like uh, like Motown type stuff. Okay. I love that. Yeah. All right. Best baseball movie of all time or movies if you want to throw a couple in there. Man, um, I'm, I love Major League. I, I will watch Major League almost any time. There's so many good quotes. Uh, that That's probably it for me. Yeah. What's, what, what's, are there any quotes that stand out for you? Like a funny um, one? The two that I use the most are um, definitely like starting to come together, Pepper, when they start winning some games and everything yeah. else. Like, I, I absolutely love that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I will never not laugh at that one. Um, man, and then the other one comes from uh, Major League Two, where he's in the, uh, where the, the coach is in the, uh, the hospital. And Bob Euchre says during the game uh, when they intentionally walk the guy that uh, Taylor's thinking, and then he pauses and he goes, I don't know what the hell he's thinking. Like I, I just, <laughs> now being a coach, I can, I can empathize with both of those. Who were some of your favorite players growing up? Uh, Ozzy Smith, Cal Ripken, Dale Murphy, like that, that was kind of like anything they did. I was watching it. Dale Murphy. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes. Um, anyone locally that you looked up to or like really, I mean, I I got to spend some time around Corey Erickson. That was always a big one. Um, you know, Landfair guy, um, you know, going watching those guys play basketball as well was huge for me. Um, really, really that that's probably the guy. Yeah, man. Corey legend. I'm going to have him on here. I've been in contact with him. He's excited to do it. I've been saving some of the, some of the bigger name guys for a little later. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to get Casey too. uh, Best, did you play baseball video games growing up at all? I did. Um, 
you know, probably bases loaded and RBI. Uh, yes. we, we got really into RBI in college too. So there was some epic battles with that. Oh yeah. That's awesome. We, uh, in college, we got really into, I think the, they came out with like NCAA, like MVP transition, transition to NCAA baseball. So we were like playing with the college guys. Yeah. That was really, you fun. know, NCAA baseball is, uh, the first year that they did it was my senior year of college they could not have picked a better year to, to make that game. Right. Oh, I, you're on it then. I'm on it. And it was when I had my best year. So oh, yeah, of course up there. I'm, I'm really good in the game. So have that's, you, you played that's with kind of a cool, fun fact. You, you played with yourself. Yes. hundred percent. That is amazing. That's right. They did have NBC. Um, what were some of your, uh, what was your favorite metal bat of all time? And then, later what 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 wood bat did you prefer model make so metal bat i love the omahas those were big and yeah. then when i got to college the omaha or the eastern connection we were all eastern mm-hmm. the like first connection where they had the different flexes like that yeah. thing was was lethal it was it was scary to play the infield with some of those things um and then uh wood bat um Big M110 guy. I, I like oh, the yeah. little hat out there. Um, yeah. You know, 30, I would switch between a 33 and 34 inch bat just because, mm-hmm. depending on how I felt that day, how, sure, you know, how, how much bat speed I felt like I had, I would yeah. go back and forth. Uh, I was always one of those guys. Well, I don't know why, but I would always have a bigger bat than I probably needed. Uh, but I just felt like I could get it around and it wasn't that much of a difference. And I felt like there was some leverage because of it. That's awesome. Um, did you ever use intro music or w- what songs did you use? So I'm, if I don't mention this, I'm going to get a lot of heat. Uh, there you go. I, I wasn't huge on it. And I made the mistake as a senior in college that uh, I had 50 cent candy shop as my walk up. <laughs> no, you just didn't. Because I love the musical intro to it. <laughs> and I, I have gotten crushed my entire life since then. Oh my gosh, uh, dude. Which is like totally out of character, obviously. Right. Um, when I got the pro ball, I love the, um, <laughs> I love uh, Rolling Stones paint it black. And that oh, was always like my walk in man, that is... because it's so chill and it just got me yeah. in the right mindset. Man. I love that. That's perfect. Well, yeah. Hey, man, this is a great place for us to stop here. This is going to be part one or part two. We've got a lot more story to go, so we're going to figure out a day to finish this out. But this has been so incredible, PJ. Thank yeah, you man. for your time, man. I, I'm, I'm a big believer on like time being so precious and valuable. So thank you for some of yours. This has been so fun for me. I hope you're, having, you're enjoying it as well. Yes, and, man. Enjoying uh, it, and thank you for what you're doing. It's yeah, awesome. Brother. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, take care. Thanks for listening, everyone.